Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Hey, lots of ads today. Welcome to Morning Ad Read. Hi, I'm one half of your hosting duo. My name is Luke Thomas. I join you from the capital of Estados Unidos. Of course, it's Morning Combat. And I'm joined by my uh, editorial partner and uh, Rastafarian, Brian Campbell. Hi, Brian. How are you? Hi, Luke. Lights out. This is Combat Guerrilla Radio. So turn that shit up. We're back. We're back with a bang. Hey, you ever just wake up completely hungover because the weather changed last night and you're old as balls? I mean, uh, this is great. You know, I, haven't, I, I can't drink anymore because of my liver, yet I still feel the pain of life. So... There you go, Luke. You know, we say that watching this show and the documentaries are like watching the, you know, the ups and downs, the growth of men. I think in reality, we're watching the the slow death of, of uh, two once proud men. Dude, it took it took me like today's Wednesday, right? So I felt pretty good yesterday by the afternoon, but now I feel better. I mean, I, I didn't wake up hungover or anything, but it took a solid three days to get over last week, man. That shit yeah. is brutal. Um, but, uh, you know, no one cares about us aging. Unless we die, in which case they'll make fan subs about it. Uh, speaking of which, we'll Yo, do we fan subs seriously. Today. If one of us dies on the job, we better get that kind of overzealous David Bowie reaction that people on my Facebook timeline that I know for damn well ain't own a single Bowie album their whole life, but then they're like, "This man has touched me and inspired me in so many ways." We better get that same shit from our MKP ones. All right, you, you better start what? writing my I old just, bit now. Okay? I just want to make good content. If I'm gonna croak this year, I prefer it to be on camera. And then they can make YouTube shorts out of it and shit, you know? That would be... Yeah, that's fair. But just good content, you know what I mean? I like that, to see you to go earth. out like Gigi Allen did, Luke. Naked, drugged out, eating his own shit. I mean, it's, just, you know, it's apropos for, for uh, your career up to this point. But it's been great working with you. And Luke, how about this? <laughs> how about Room Service Diaries' Laura Sanko, okay? Okay, how about that? How about this phenomenon that is a wholesome interview between three consenting adults, right? It's great. I don't know. I don't know why the word consenting was introduced into that sentence. Because but, I uh, think I think our audience wanted that to be something it wasn't. I mean, can't can't we have constructive commentary about like the journey? I mean, what did people want me to do in that interview? Take my pants off? I mean, come on. I mean, this is ridiculous. So were you wearing um, sweatpants and a drug rug? I mean, you totally had divorced dad eating hot pockets on a sad Sunday energy that whole time. Well, I would need a ponytail and a bald spot and possibly a sports car to really keep up with that. But, you know, midlife crises are what they are, Luke. So here I am. But no, thank you to uh, to Laura Senko for joining us. And if you haven't checked it out, YouTube.com slash Morning Combat. We got another great one coming for you next week. But, Luke, sit and, sit and uh, chew on this one. It was, uh, you know, these things, Luke, these RSD things. At a certain point, you and I stand back. It is going to be what it is going to be. And they've been beautiful and they've all been different so far. So I've really enjoyed it. Yes, each one is a little bit unique. Um, still have I still don't think we've quite found our groove with it yet, to be candid with you, but uh, that one was a good one. The Anthony Smith one is a really good one as well. So um, they're on their way. I just haven't quite figured out exactly how to do them yet, but um, the more the merrier, certainly. You just so you keep being you, Luke, okay? Just keep sitting in that large chair with the loose spring. I know. I know what's going I know. Yeah, I know. I, yeah. You like, wow, that man, you, you, that, you are hard to tolerate. Let me just put it that, that man's way. prostate is so massaged. I didn't understand it. Sit in that chair one time. Okay. First of all, the chair isn't large. The chair is small. That's the problem. It's hard for me to fucking move in that thing. Uh, yeah. 
So anyway, neither here nor there. I mentioned fan subs today. We will get to that at the end of the show. Plus, we have a lot of other stuff to get to, including there's not one, not two, three MMA events this weekend, two on Friday, one on Saturday. There's Bellator and one on Friday. And then UFC has a Saturday card at the Apex. Um, not that great of a card, but good news is the one card's pretty good. The Bellator card's actually pretty good as well. So your Friday night is going to be very busy here. We'll get to all of that here today. Plus, we'll do, I think, some over-unders as well. So thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Please hit subscribe. We appreciate that when you do. Uh, of course, uh, Showtime.com is the label that pays. You can go to Showtime.com, get a 30-day free trial. If you'd like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. That will come in handy for Friday's Bellator, should you choose to watch. Uh, let's see. Also, morningcombat.store. You can get a shirt like this. BC, are you wearing it? You got the All the Smoke merch, so you're doing the whole Showtime bit. Yeah, but I'm representing folks, One stuff. Love, Luke, okay? One Love is what I'm representing, but I've got a lot of love for our merch site. Do you know I talked to Avid Fisherman, uh, RJ Dunkelfucker, who has a big catch for our listeners this week, Luke. If you go to morningcombat.store right now, there's a little, little line in the middle of the screen that says, insert your email address. Uh, like other great merch houses of, of all kinds of products, MorningCombat.store has got a Black Friday deal coming up that I've heard is fan friggin' tastic but the only way for you to access that is just give RJ your email address, okay? You'll you'll receive back the link. You'll get all the inside scoops. All you have to give him is your email. No car titles, no nothing. Um, you know, what RJ does with that information, Luke, you know, we can question. But until we find that guy in the act jeopardizing what right now is a flawless employee record, I've got to stand by him as, as a decent human and say, hey, folks, give him your email because you're going to get back a lot more in return. All right. Fair enough. Uh, and then let me see what else have we forgotten. Oh, let's get to our regular. I mean, do we have enough? We're 15 minutes in. We're still doing reads. All right. Let's talk about this partner, though, because it's one of the most important ones. Longstanding relationships that we've had. How about Athletic Greens, BC? Take yeah. Athletic Greens every day because we want better gut health, more energy. We don't like taking a bunch of pills and vitamins. And some people are like, wow, Athletic Greens and MK, great partnership. It might actually be a secret intervention from our staff. But if it, if it is, hey, guys, guess what? It works. You know, I don't know why. Because it tastes great. I don't want to be tasting shit that's too healthy. I don't want to be. Uh, how about a slightly tropical citrus clean taste? One scoop every morning. Put in your eight ounces of water. Mix that up. Hey, I throw it in shakes as well. But what does it do for me? Well, how about this? 75 high-quality vitamins, okay, minerals, whole foods, so, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens, all the things you may be lacking in your day-to-day, -day. one scoop, one cup, one drink. I mean, the, can you get, you know, you don't need two girls. One cup right here of AG1. <laughs> uh, it's lifestyle-friendly whether you eat keto. <laughs> keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or anything, while still tasting good. Yeah, it's so easy to use. I even take it with me on the road, Luke, on live stream days to help me prevent dying. You know, I'm literally to prevent dying like I do on the road. But so convenient, you can travel with it. And whether you're, you know, Luke's always talking about keto, paleo, vegan, all that stuff, whatever you are, this works for you because it contains less than one gram of sugar. So uh, get on that. It also costs less than $3 a day. So if you already, rec re you know, if you already got a vape habit, a cold brew habit, a, you know, fading MILFs habit, I've seen Luke's search history. You know, you could consider them seniors. They have to eat too. But at the end of the day, it costs less than three bucks to take a, take a nice healthy bite out of your own health and start it properly 
with this magical green drink. Fruit flies are apparently optional, though, in the Luke Thomas office. No, it's a fucking moth in my room out of nowhere. All right. Uh, right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. Hello. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million yeah. different pills and supplements to look out for your health. I mean, 7,000 people giving a five-star review can't be wrong. I'm talking about Gervais. I'm talking about Ferris, guys that know stuff, Rogan, people that know it. And to make it even easier on you, if you want to be a first-timer in this AG club, here's what you're going to do. Go to athleticgreens.com slash morningcombat. Make your first purchase, and they're going to toss in for free a one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D drops. I take them every day as well. I'm still living. And those five free travel packs that we talked about. So it's really up to you folks, okay? Here's a way to, to kind of start getting, take a little bit of your life back, okay? Your liver's not going to make it to the end. It's just not. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash morning combat to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, BC, let's get to it. We'll start with topic number one here. As we mentioned, three MMA events this weekend. We're going to leave with Bellator. Um, the Bellator card, in my judgment, is probably the best one this weekend. Now, one has two champ champ fights, so that's a little bit of a different thing. But what I would say is the UFC card, while it's on Saturday, and UFC is obviously the biggest promotion, the Bellator card, and again, they're not equivalent because this is a really good Bellator card and this is a an Apex UFC card, but it is, it's got the most, and I'll say this, of all the fights this weekend I'm most excited for, the number one fight is on the Bellator card. So let's start there, Bellator 288. We've got in the main event, BC, Vadim Nemkov, who is still technically the champion as the underdog at plus 185, taking on Corey Anderson. The first fight, uh, by the way, Anderson at a minus 215. The first fight ending in controversy. Anderson was winning the whole way. Then there was an inadvertent headbutt, call, called the whole thing off. BC, what's the story of this fight? I mean, it's the tournament. It's the rematch. Anything more to it than that? No, I mean, look, insanely high stakes with the with the title, the tournament championship, and the $1 million prize at the end of it. We got a two-and-a-half-round, three-round sort of sampler into what it might look like, which I think is why you see the betting odds as they are. Minus 215, Anderson is the favorite. Nemkov plus 185. But I do want to repair a couple things that I feel like the general consensus became after that first fight. Was Corey Anderson in control at the time of that you know, accidental headbutt, which opened up a bad cut over the left eye of Nemkov. Yes, it seemed that way. This was also a five-round championship fight, so I don't want to just write off or reframe this as one-way traffic or one-sided domination. Here's a little recap if you missed it. First round, very close. I edged Nemkov. It was largely a jab battle. I thought he slightly did the better work. Second round is where Corey Anderson began to establish himself, working that that uh, single leg and just working it to the bone, getting some good ground and pound off of it, and really letting Nemkov know this is the way the fight could go. But Luke, in that third round, even though Anderson's striking was the better work overall, you did see Nemkov put him into a choke on the ground that, that was somewhat hairy. My whole point is this. At the time of the stoppage, and you hate to see a title fight kind of end like this, just as much as you hate to see somebody get the win, maybe like... Uh, like Carmouche did recently where you're sort of like, man, I didn't, you know, did she really win it? And I'm not, no, she didn't. In this case, Luke, as much as I don't like waiting to get the re result, um, this is probably the best course of action. Anderson was getting the better work, but this is going to be a five-round fight. I believe these two are going to counter and trade and make adjustments the entire fight. I don't think we have all the evidence that we think we know already to, to really sort of look at this. This is still the same thing it was coming in the first time. 
a great fight between two of the best 205 pound fighters on the on the planet. Uh, Corey Anderson did seem though to get first blood and show you that he's got a little bit of an edge as as things stand right now. All right, let me ask a few questions here because we're talking about the tournament finals that were already supposed to be decided. Hopefully, we get a decision or at least some kind of resolution, I should say, uh, this time out. So that's part of it. You know, million dollar prize. That's part of it. The title. That's obviously a big part of it. Is the conversation around the winner of this being arguably the best light heavyweight on the planet still in play? I think it is. I think people are tired of hearing that. And that was a conversation, in my opinion, that spurned beautifully off of John Jones leaving 205 on the UFC side and going up to heavyweight, although we've still never seen him yet. That siding with, hey, man, Bellator's, you know, putting together some big names here. RIP uh, Rumble. They brought in Yoel Romero. Suddenly you've got this tournament. That does take a while from start to finish to finish. But I think, you know, it was an argument that was stronger then when we still hadn't seen somebody of note replace John Jones and make a run. Now, at this point, we also still haven't seen that. We're going to get a title rematch on the UFC side between Yuri Prochazko and Glover to share after just an insane war. I do think it's still in play. It can somewhat be a little bit of a tired reach at times to constantly go here. But these two are so battle-tested. Corey Anderson could not be more red-hot at this moment coming into the second chance here. It's still true to me, Luke. As much as I think it's a little bit of a gimmick sometimes to lean too heavily into it, it's still potentially true. We haven't gotten somebody on the 205 side in the UFC that's clearly made the kind of statement anywhere close to John, what John Jones did, not from the GOAT standpoint, but just from the, yeah, I'm pretty much the best in the world in this division, this weight class at this moment. Yeah, that's still up for grabs in some way, especially if one of these guys can do this spectacularly. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, the current UFC champion in the area would be a difficult challenge, but you would imagine he leaves so many openings, he could be beaten. Glover has been beaten uh, by Corey Anderson, so we know that to be true as well. Uh, but I would say a guy like Magomed Ankalaev would—that's a tougher fight. I feel like. But to your point, like, is the conversation at least around the winner of this being considered the best two or I think you could make a case for it. Certainly, depending on how this goes and whatever else we see in the UFC, these guys are minimum top three. War, I mean, I guess you could say top five if you were. No, I think yeah, winner of this would be top three. Top three bare minimum in my view. So, um, massively important fight. Now we've got some audio around this. Uh, we actually had Corey Anderson in studio for uh, RSD, but he's done a, a, some. He's been doing actually a fair amount of media all the way around. They he was asked about the first fight with Vadim and what he learned. This was his answer. It's like I said, I would. Again, I, I I like they say, speak things into existence. If you go back after the Bader fight, I did the media, and they said, "What do you think about Vadim Nimkov matchup?" He's like a hot pocket. You put him in the microwave, they come on hot. You're going to say, ha, ha, you don't want to touch it right away. You just got to wait a little bit. It's going to cool down. I said, like, he's going to come out like a ball of fear. He does it every time. But the thing is, most guys, they weather with him. They're trying to keep up with his pace, and they get tired. The thing is, I'm a cardio machine, so I can keep up with that pace, and I'm going to turn it up just a little bit. I said, and I'm just going to wait, and when he starts slowing down, I'm going to take over. So it was really, there was really no surprise. Like, it went exactly how I expected. I told coaches, he said in the back, don't rush anything. It's five rounds. Every time you rush something is when you get caught. Remember, it's five rounds. First round, we might lose first. We might lose second. You still got three more. Just be patient. When you see the opportunity, take it. That was a game plan. We knew he was going to come out fast. He's going to bounce. He's going to bounce. Just stay with it. When he started, he started hitting me, I remember at first, I started getting frustrated. And I wanted to rush it. I was like, nope, stay calm. We're going to start rolling with him. When he hits you, just roll your neck. Just let it roll. Don't let it catch. Don't let it knock you out. Just let's just roll with it. He's going to slow down in a second. I started slowing down. Like, all right, now we're going to start countering back. 
All right, get ready. Pop, pop, pop. All right, now he's stopping. Now we're going to lead the dance. Pop, pop, pop. All right, now it's time for that first takedown. We're not going to get it. We're not going to get it. We know he's ready. He's young. He's ready. He's early. Shoot. We got him. He's going to defend. All right, now he feels me. He feels me. We're going to do it again. Pop, pop, Now, look, I remember it was like a minute and a half left. I said, all right, now I'm going to wait. We're going to move. Last 10 seconds. I'm going to I'm gonna put him on his ass at the last second just so he know. I'm going to take you down. And sure enough, you see, I'm looking at the clock, and right before the bell, I foot swept him to his butt at the mat. And I got up and just looked at him. Look, it's not, you know. You know, I'm going to take you down. You're playing a deeper mental game than you get credit for. Yeah. Corey Anderson talks kind of like he fights, like in these like long and then these long bursts and then again, then long bursts and then again, long bursts. Uh, yeah, he's right. That's exactly how the fight played out. Although uh, Vadim Nemkov is certainly a uh, interesting customer. Now, he mentioned something in that interview, BC, with us, where he said, you know, listen, my friend told me now he's got tape on you. He's going to have to come out different. What's yes. the biggest change you think Vadim Nemkov needs to make? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say up front, takedown defense and scramble ability has got to be better. Oh, 100% that does. But I don't think, I don't know. You, I, w- I would like you to respond, Luke, to my sort of opening rant where I said, the narrative is that Anderson dominated him. I just don't see that to be true. He was in control of the fight, yes. Did what he just say in that soundbite kind of play out into what we saw? Yeah, he put on a high pace. It was a strategic one, but there were these bursts that definitely were meant to cook up Vadim, as he would say, a little bit, which basically just means slowly pull from that gas tank. Nemkov's best work was done in that first round, a tactical one, but one in which he was the most... uh active that he was in this fight and when he's allowed to get off with that power jab and those hard kicks to the body and the threat of that high kick he's very good so what's the answer to your question in my opinion it's getting that cardio to an even higher level which means who potentially can benefit the most from that freak occurrence of that headbutt and us restarting it in my opinion it's Nemkov from the standpoint of now he knows how much of a dog Corey is. He knows the best strategies that Corey's going to go after him with to try to nudge on that. He's doing, to your point, a ton of interviews and talking about this fight. I need Nemkov to come in in the best shape of his career, prepared potentially to not just strike for five rounds, but to have to consistently prove that he can keep his back off the mat or when he is on the mat, that he can stay the submission threat that he was with that choke attempt, but not be there to be hit, not cook up on some damage. So in that regard, it is going to be interesting to see the, the adjustments that Nemkov makes. But do you agree with me that there was from the standpoint of, Hey, there's still two plus rounds to go at the time of that head, but we don't really know what the ending of this fight would have looked like. Or do you feel like you saw enough to know at that point i'm interested luke so no we don't have enough information to know uh and i think your point there is well taken like um declarations about how we know we would have this would have gone had it continued i don't think is true but two things stand out one nemkov was kind of kicking everyone's ass i mean the phil davis fights you know or fight was whatever was not um you know phil davis is hard to beat and make look good but this is the point no one had really kind of put it on Vadim Nemkov in Bellator up to this point. Like, no one had really kind of stuck it to him where he was fighting off of his back and he was trying to figure things out. Corey was able to do that. And you're like, wow, that's kind of interesting. The other part was that as as the time wore on, I just didn't like some of the tactical things I was seeing from Nemkov, like trying to play a yeah. guard game against Corey Anderson, trying to frame for arm bars and stuff. It's like, dude, I don't, I don't think that shit's going to work. Not unless you really have him hurt or he's really tired maybe later in the fight or something. We always talk about it. It is very, 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 very hard to submit an elite fighter or an elite black belt from guard. It does happen time to time, but it's not easy. It's quite difficult. 
I just don't think that's a great way to go about it unless you're creating scrambles to get up. So Is that fatigue influence, do you think, Luke? I, no, I think he believes... I think a lot of guys believe in their submission ability in certain positions, um, but off the back, the numbers are clear, man. Like Again, everyone's like, well, what about Anthony Pettis and fucking Benson Henderson? Well, right. Pettis dropped him or, or hurt him badly with a body kick, and then he shot, and then there was... Obviously, a, 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 I think it was a was it a triangle choke or an armbar right there underneath. I forget anymore um, when they had their their rematch in UFC. But you get the idea. Like you have to do something to them first that really takes away their submission ability. If they take you down and then you start playing guard again, dude. Even for Charles Oliveira, even for the great Charles Oliveira, he's got two submissions uh, that originated from his back, and those were guys who were not considered elite. And it was at 145, so like it's just not really fucking relevant. So I just think he needs to make some separate choices. Also, we can't get away from this conversation without talking about the headbutt. We asked him about the headbutt, how he interpreted all of it, and what it all means. This is what he had to say. Let's play this to like three people this last week. So you see fights where a guy with a headbutt and they get the blood, the ref will tell the judge, like, don't count that. That was an accidental headbutt. That's all I was doing. I did not tell him. I was not thinking he was going to stop the fight. I heard him say, that was a clean shot. But I was trying to tell him, like, no, it wasn't. It was my head. So maybe he told the judge, like, all right, don't count that damage. That was an accident. I didn't had no idea they was going to stop it until I looked down and saw how bad it was. Mm. And he's still saying, clean shot, clean shot, keep going, keep going. Like, no, it, it was a headbutt. So I'm thinking they were just going to give him a second to click, wipe the blood out of his eyes or something. I didn't know the doctor wasn't even going to come in and look at it. They stopped the fight, and the doctor from the... he Before he even stepped in the cage, he steps at the gate, and he waves it off like, you ain't even come in yet. Like, yo. Like, it was a bad cut. Yeah, like, it was bad, but at the same time, at least put some fast, let three seconds go away, and then take time to work on it. I was literally just letting him, because I heard him say, clean shot, just let him know it wasn't. It was... Because Nemkov said something, and that's all like agreeing, like, yeah, it, was, it wasn't my punch, it was my... Or elbow, it was my head. Just being... BC. It did feel like it was stopped fairly quick. I mean, is there any is there any validity to what he says, Luke? I did feel like upon rewatching it uh, recently that it was sort of like, oh, it's over, and you're like, whoa, whoa, like there wasn't a, a a ton of attempts made to to do to try to repair it. Yeah, I mean, the issue for me on this is that there's just no consistency with some of these calls in certain jurisdictions, referee to referee, state to state. Obviously, the organization can't play a role here in that way. So, But, you know, just in terms of the overall MMA fans' experience, when you watch one organization in one state with one fighter, you get a certain set of results. I don't think that what the referee did was by the book wrong. It seemed a little aggressive, but, you know, obviously there was that sort of diving headbutt that was, I'm sure, inadvertent, but quite real, and then they had to stop it. Here's what I'll say. The big takeaway I had for me was that who did this ultimately benefit Right, whether you agree with the call or not agree with the call, who got the benefit there? And the answer has to be Vadim Nemkov. Yeah, I think he was troubled by some of the game of Corey Anderson, the mixing up of the levels, and then the takedowns. Obviously, were a big part of it. This gives him a second chance to get that right in a way where making those adjustments in the middle of the fight are going to be much, much harder than between them. I think this is going to be a harder fight for Corey Anderson, but now he tells us he understands that he's going to have some new twists. I look forward to seeing what they are. Uh, yeah, for sure. He ben Nemkov benefits from the way this went down. I mean, how could it have gone differently? If it had gotten to the end of that round, the third round, it, uh, would it have now been an official fight, and would this have been an Anderson victory by technical decision, Luke? 
Uh, what are the rules? It has to go past two, two and a half rounds, something like that. Okay, this was the, this was midway of the third that the or, you know toward the end of the third that this happened. Yeah, I cannot remember the exact the the exact rules. I believe. I mean, it's that's like what's right. the what's the alternative? Oh, what's the alternative that Anderson wins the title here and we get a you know off of that accidental cut if it went to the cards and then we get a rematch anyway? I mean, it doesn't change much outside of you know Anderson cashing in on that million, but you'd rather see it won the right way. So. Kind of a, a throwback to your original question about the potential changes Vadim makes. It's like, Luke, Vadim Nemkov is at his best when he's when he's like a running back, when he can start early going downhill, when he can work behind that heavy jab and those kicks. I mean, he hurts you. It, it, it People can crumble under that pressure. When he's in there against more of a you know point fighter like Davis who can go long distances, he's still able to use the, the power and the threat of it to make sure that he gets off enough where he's going to get the nod on the scorecards in those closed fights. Anderson represents, it seems, a completely different type of challenge for what we've seen from Vadim in his best win so far. Somebody that can put him in situations he doesn't want. So my natural reaction was not only to mention the increase in, in cardio that he's going to need, but here's my kind of critical question on that. Can Nemkov, even with increased cardio, still be that downhill runner when he's allowed to set the terms and take the lead offensively and protect the threat of the takedown at the same time. I have, I've got, I've got doubts. I've got legit doubts here. Right. I think that's a great point. Cause one kind of undercuts the ability of the other would it would, he could do both. He could probably thread that needle, but it would reduce the capability of his offense. It would reduce the vitality and sort of uh, the rhythm that he can kind of get into at times. I guess we'll have to see. It's a fun one. We'll go into greater detail on Friday. But BC, let's talk about this co-main event because this is just a phenomenal contest. This is the one I, I like the most. And it's not because it's the most competitive. In fact, the main event, Vadim Nemkov and Corey Anderson, is far more competitive, at least on paper. But it's Patricky Friday, Patricky Pitbull. This is the older brother at 155, defending his Bellator title against the ascendant Usman Nurmagomedov. Now, BC, one of the big things that Patricky Pitbull has been telling everyone who will listen is that Usman doesn't have a win over anyone ranked in the top 10 for uh, men's lightweight. Let me read you what men's lightweight is right now. Obviously, Patricky is the champion. Nurmagomedov's your number one contender. He's 4-0 in Bellator. Then Benson Henderson, Tofik Musayev, Sidney Outlaw, Alexander Shabili, Shabli, Shabli, uh, Brent Premis, Islam Mamadov, AJ McKee, and then Peter Queeley. I looked up uh, the resume of Patricky Pibble. I was like, well, how many of these top 10 wins does he have? One, he has a win over Peter Queeley. He hasn't fought AJ McKee or Islam Mamadov or Brent Premis or Alexander Shabili or Sydney uh, Outlaw. He did fight Tofik Musayev in Ryzen and lost. And then you have Benson Henderson and now Usman Nurmagomedov. So to me, it's a fairly hollow criticism, I have to tell you. Yeah, it is fairly hollow. I mean, there there is a... You know, look, Patricky's battle-tested. He's been around forever. He's always fought the best. No one, no one here is going to disparage him. But, you know... There's a little, there's a little bit of a little nog, big nog difference between the brothers without question. Me, he has terms, a win over Benson Henderson. I apologize. He has a split decision at Bellator 183 in 2017. Well, not only does he lack the wins over the current top 10 guys, but the way he came into the title with his brother giving it up, with him getting a rematch against a guy in Peter Quilly who had just beaten him the fight before, that's not the... You know, the typical way someone climbs the ladder and gets into the title position and then wins it. Now, some of that might be due to, you know, him having been around forever. He's a, a consistent celebrity name in this weight class. 
and he's always tough. But no, he didn't. That that is a hollow uh, stance to hang on. And when you look at these odds, I mean, minus six hundred Usman Nurmagomedov, plus four fifty the champion. You right away want to be like, nah, these are boxing odds. It can't possibly be. That's not the reality of this fight. It might actually be the reality of this fight because Usman Nurmagomedov is scary good. And it doesn't necessarily matter that those four fights that he had to get to this point weren't against world beaters. Sometimes sometimes it just screams. I mean, a guy just jumps through your screen sometimes. That's what Usman Nurmagomedov has been. Yeah, he's got the pressure of being Habib's cousin and coming up under the same tree. And, oh, yes, first name's also Usman. So it's like, you better be able to wrestle. But he can. he's, he's, he's more in the variety of... You know, Dagestan 2.0 or from the Coach Abdulmanap RIP coaching tree, meaning Habib was so great at one freaking skill, but he got the other stuff, you know, rounded it out enough to still lean on that skill. But look at Islam Mahachev, who just came out, you know, in his first title opportunity, but real step up fight. He blew the doors off of Charles Oliveira to the point where we're like, Man, this this the next generation of the of the Habibs that come from Abdulmanap, they are different. They're more dynamic, they're more well-rounded. That's exactly what Usman Nurmagomedov screams to us that he might be. And he's like 23 years old, too, on top of that. 16 and 0. I mean, this guy, it might be time, Luke. And you know, that's not to mention that from a marketing standpoint, you want Habib in your corner wearing a belt to MMA shirt. Yeah, it's a good move by the promotion here to give Usman the title opportunity now. Uh, you know, this is the division that did recently add AJ McKee and is probably more likely that McKee operates in this division moving forward. The future is bright in this division, Luke. The real question entering this fight on Friday night is can the old veteran do anything to disrupt this migration and this turnover to the new blood that's coming? The odds tell you hell no. Recent history might tell you hell no. But what are we, we meaning everyone right now, what are we potentially missing? And it might not be, what are we missing in Patriki? What are we potentially overvaluing in Usman Nurmagomedov that could come out over five rounds against somebody who's got knockout power, who, who's been there before, even if he's not as nearly as dynamic as this young kid? First of all, I'm really glad they showed this takedown here. This is the one on, I think, Chris Gonzalez from his last fight where he baits a movement to score a knee tap Knee tap doesn't work. That's okay because he keeps his base. He then transitions immediately to um, a guillotine grip with an underhook, switches to then a power guillotine, and then finishes the the show. Like, why would do people believe in Usman Nurmagomedov? Yeah, okay, he's got the last name as you indicated, BC. Um, but why do people believe in him? Here is a very good reason. You saw it there with that takedown. The level of skill mastery that he already shows is so far beyond what the record can tell you and what the opponents can help you understand. You get these little windows of absolute technical mastery, like supreme level mastery, not just with understanding the technical progression of what an attack should look like, but the timing is perfect. The hand placement is perfect. The way in which he rotates into position is you can tell he's been doing this very well, even though he's quite young for a very long time. That is why people have high belief in him. Is because if you actually know what you're looking for and then you watch him execute it, it is done fucking textbook. That's why. He is legit. And BC, we just went over this with the main event from UFC 280. Charles Oliveira's resume 
was certainly much better than Islam Makachev's heading into that fight. That much was not up for debate. One guy's resume clearly had better wins on it to that point. But we kept saying, dude, this guy Makachev just has, he's defensively sound, he makes good decisions, blah, blah, blah. We went through it all the whole time. Sure enough, he goes in there and just runs the fucking table on Charles Oliveira. I'm absolutely expecting something like that on Friday night. I think Usman Nurmagomedov, he could be, see, to your point about Patriki, the reason why you should have some trepidation, and why I do think these odds are a little bit out of whack, is because, dude, Patricky Pitbull is a veteran. He has seen a lot of different looks. He is well-trained. I would say he's the best version of himself that he's ever been. Heavy-handed, good team, good corner. Like, those are things you should absolutely take seriously, and a guy who doesn't have experience against them, you have to have some level of respect for that. But on the other side, the other things we've seen from Usman Nurmagomedov are simply unmistakable. I would be, of all the things that could happen this weekend, him not claiming the belt would be, to me, the most surprising, and by a, by a wide margin. Yeah, um, I, I'd like, you know, selfishly, I'd like to see this go rounds. I'd like to see Usman Nurmagomedov have to make adjustments. You know, I mean, there's that chance he just comes out here and just blows us away, and this is, you know, that statement about, but I do want to learn a little bit more. Can Patriki make him do that? We're going to have to wait and see. But, Luke, is it possible... Now, it's it's a, it's a tough to make this question audible because not only is Habib just such a unique all-time talent and, and you know, and all the intangibles are just sick, but so does Islam Mahachev look to be. And up to this point, so does Usman Nurmagomedov, although, look, he's got to beat, you know, some much bigger names before we can include that. But that's the setup for me to say this. We talked so much once Habib retired, and then it was clear he was going to become Islam's coach, and then it was like, okay, you got this potential Habib 2.0. We talked about the whole, like, man, that's a lot of pressure to put on any of these guys from Dagestan that they're just automatically going to be good as Habib. Is there a chance we have that scenario out of whack, and these guys are going to consistently be better? Not every single one, but Islam... Yeah, you know, you could argue Islam's the best fighter in the world right now. I mean, literally, like, he, he's got he's screaming some of those things, even though let's give him a chance to prove it. But Usman Nurmagomedov looks freaking special. Like, it, it, I can't, one time in a, in some, like, fill-in-the-blank category or over-under or something I asked you, is there, you know, what would have to happen for Habib's resume as a coach to one day outweigh that what he did as a 29-0 fighter who retired on his own terms? You know, I'm wondering if this this team, might, we, might, we might have no idea what the entire school the team is capable of. Yeah, it might be a different conversation at the end of the day, Luke. That doesn't even—it's not even about Habib anymore. He was just the first and the best. That yeah. could happen. Yeah. That could happen. Yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, again, Makachev did great against uh, Charles Oliveira. We'll see what Usman can do here. There's two clips. I'm going to skip the one on him not deserving a title shot because I just think that's a fucking silly, ridiculous argument. But the one about Usman speaking about Coach Habib and what it all means—he actually was asked this and addressed it. Here's what he had to say. Uh, everybody wants to get better. Everybody's hungry. Uh, everybody's learning every day. Uh, they're getting experience from the champions, from people who already been through it. But you know, again, it's life. Uh, older, older, elderly are leaving. The the new generation is coming. That was, of yeah. course, Shaquille Majuri of CBS Sports. You can follow his Shaq MMA channel for more. But were they trying to induce a uh, <laughs> a seizure out of us with that uh, with that shaky cam, Luke? Yeah, that was a lot there. That was a lot there. But you get the idea. A guy like Coach Habib, he's incredible. Not just a, he he brought to another group of young guys the same things he did to dictate his own championship run. 
he yeah. is forcing them to do. And dude, he's got a real clear either you're going to do this or you're not going to do this. And if you're not going to do this, the door is that way. And that's just I what mean, it is. The, the, the proof's in the pudding in terms of this whole Habib's coach thing, if it's going to take off and be legendary. But he's taken the structural foundation of what his dad taught him and so many others in that school and now added in that experience edge as just a no-nonsense, absolute badass, always ready, down to fight anybody at any time. Like when I hear these comments from Bilal Muhammad who just joined that team about, you know, in the various interviews, what's it like dealing with Coach Habib? Yeah, dude. Um, this, this, uh, this state, I don't know, like maybe this, this, this super team, Luke, they're, they're, they're about to make some noise. Okay. Brig hashtag right. Holy hammer across yeah. the entire family and region. Okay. Not, not going to go through the whole card, but a couple other fights here to keep in note. Daniel Weishel taking on the undefeated Timor Kizriev. I did some tape study on Timor uh, Kizriev. Another one of these fucking hammers from Dagestan. A, a very, very good top control, very good wrestling, very good mixing of subs into takedowns like you just saw there with Usman Nurmagomedov getting the trip and then going over to the to the uh, power guillotine. Tyrell Fortune taking on Daniel James. The one I want folks to pay attention to is the opener, it looks like, on the main card. Remember this name. No, it's not Bilal Muhammad. Roman Feraldo. Roman Feraldo's taking on Levon Chokali. Chokali is a guy out of Georgia, good boxer, has had some losses from grappling, I think, but is, is a pretty good like striker. Roman Feraldo is an unbelievable striker, can do all different kinds of magic tricks on the feet. Not fully tested in the, in the, in the larger depths of the game. This one is a sort of a stylistically, I think, a favorable matchup for him, although Chokali is obviously very good on the feet as well, but you know he doesn't have to worry about wrestling in that sense. Uh, but Roman Feraldo is a fucking highlight reel. If you've not seen him, believe me when I tell you, you need to make time for him. Just look him up on YouTube. He's got well, a look, ton the, of different highlights. The good news is that fans of Have You Seen This Shit have probably seen every single one of his Bellator right. fights in that segment because he's 8-0 and with, I'm looking at it real quick, all stoppages, all, you know, all, all by knockout or referee stoppage, flying knees in there. I mean... Uh, shout out to Bellator for putting him on the main card now, early yes. now, getting ahead of that because yeah, this guy is, uh, you know, well let's see, but you know, you step up. It, remember, Aviv Gozali was ripping off submissions left and right, and then stepped up and lost. So you do got to come out here and prove it. But Luke, I love this card. Really, seriously, this is going to be a good one. Chicago Friday night. Do you have a start time here on Showtime? Nine p.m. Nine p.m. in the East. All right. All right. Nine p.m. in the East. All right. So we'll go to one in just a second. Let's go to UFC, which is on Saturday. BC, this card is not that awesome. Not that awesome. Uh, UFC fight night, Derek Lewis taking on Sergey Spivak. That's your main event. Obviously, there's some other fights on the card we'll get to in just a second. Let's talk about that main event. Heavyweight main event, five rounds. I do not expect it to go five rounds. And BC, here's kind of the interesting part. Sergey Spivak is not, he's not faced anyone, or I should say he's not defeated anyone quite as high-ranked as Derek Lewis, that would be new, but he's on a surge. Derek Lewis, on the other hand, we don't know, so this is my question for you. Is he on the true decline? Because Sergey Spivak could be knocked out, but on the ground, he has good takedowns, he's got good subs. Could be a bad matchup for him. In fact, he's the favorite at minus 195 to Derek Lewis at plus 165. Are we about to watch the unraveling of Derek Lewis? It feels that way. It's also felt that way before now have things ever been this dire for Derek Lewis heading into this fight no they really haven't Luke and he's also fighting a guy who as you sort of set up does it does seem to be ready to find out how good he can be survey Sp Sergey Spivak 
has won five of his last six, and he's dominated that certain tier of, of, of you know, the Gusto Sagais, the Alexio Lennox, the Jared Vanderas, those guys. I mean, he sent Greg Hardy to hell in less than a couple minutes. He, of course, lost when he stepped up and got stopped by Tom Aspinall in the first round, but he's letting you know where he's at levels-wise. He beats Derek Lewis. He gets the opportunity to go to that next level. And look, shout out to Moldova, which is representative here in the main event and the Cole main event. So uh, double shot of, of uh, Moldova mania here. But it's like, you know, is Sergei Spivak a guy who's not yet 30, can do some things? Is he a guy that, that he's screaming, that he's that he's ready to get to that next level? I'm not sure yet. I'm not fully come around on this guy, even though, again, he's beating the guys that you're supposed to if you're ready to this point. But it does all come down to Derek Lewis because... Those losses, and he's now three of his last four, they've been awful in some ways, okay? Like, you know, when he stepped up against Gon for the interim title, I mean, he didn't show up that night. I mean, you know, there was the hometown thing, of course, the pressure on him, but he absolutely did not show up and then got stopped by a guy who we weren't looking at as a, you know, as a finisher striking-wise in that fight. And, you know, the Tai Tuivasa won, and, you know, Tuivasa is better than we knew at the time, yes. But Lewis imploded and got knocked around and eventually fell apart, which he tends to do when he steps up to the highest level. But Luke, it's that last fight that's got to have you more scared than the others. You know, there's been hints that Derek Lewis was ready to go. I always thought after the loss to Cormier for the title, we'd never see him motivated again. But he's now 37, and that last fight in question against Sergei Pavlovich in July, dude, that was 55 seconds. He just folded. Uh... Could he shock you if you put plus money on him and get a big knockout here? Of course. And that's, you know, always going to be the calling card. But Luke, how much do we look at the Pavlovich one? Because that's not, oh, he stepped up against Gon and he was going to lose it anyway and he may have talked himself out of trying his best. And that's not, hey, man, he got into a war with two of us, so shit happens. Dude, that was like 55 seconds and you're done, dude. Mm-hmm. You got to be, you got to be nervous. For what this yeah. means, right? The thing you is, was like, was the Tai Tuivasa loss a turning point? And again, we don't know that yet. But um, I mean, the commonality is Gon's a, not a huge puncher, but he's sort of technically overwhelming. Tuivasa, a big puncher. Pavlovich, a big puncher. Now, Spivak is not a weak puncher by any stretch of the imagination, but I wouldn't say he's a big puncher. Um, he can land with accuracy. He can land with power. But mostly, he, if he wins, I would imagine... He would win with his some level of his grappling game mixed in. There could be ground and pound as a part of that, like a TKO finish is certainly in play, but more than that, other forms of control and, and whatnot. So I don't know if this is exactly the same kind of threat, which is why if he gets you know bludgeoned here, that would be like, well, that's bad. You're right, man. I, I um, you know, you look at that Brad Riddell situation, right, where he had I think three losses in a row, but it was the loss to I think was it the Jalen Turner loss where I, I just, after that, he just didn't quite look the same. He had two first-round losses back-to-back. Now, here we are burying Derek Lewis. He could come out and just blow the doors off of Sergei Spivak, but he's lost three of his last four. And again, the gone one, you can you can write off, especially because he came back out after that and knocked the bejesus yeah, out of Chris Dawkins. Fair look, enough. I want to stop you there. But it's the I want to stop you there. Back. I'm not going to take the wheel. I'm just going inter- to interject this, and you can pick up. I want to stop you. I don't feel like you can write off the gone one when they, he's had two more in succession with them. Obviously, the one uh, Dawkins knocked out in between to show us he's still got life. But even though, again, you can make the argument that that's a horrible style matchup, he's never going to look good against Gon. I mean, look, he absolutely imploded. So there's a difference when Derek Lewis is not injured. He's a much different fighter. There's obviously a difference when he's motivated enough to get in great shape. 
But it was like it's like in those fights, the second he discovered resistance, he was done. And when that happens, Luke, you, sometimes you can repair that if you had a bad camp or you were hurt or whatever. Dude, the fear has to be that it is gone. And I don't think you look back at that gone one and just go, oh, yeah, whatever. He was never going to win that. Dude, he he straight up shit the bed in that one. And I hate to say that, Luke. It's unfair for me in my basement to say that. But would you agree that there is this it, there's a spot in his Death Star where he can be imploded to nothing? And, you know, once or twice, that's OK. But we're on a pattern run right now. It could be true. I mean, he's had back to back losses before all the way back in 2018 and 2019. But that was to Daniel Cormier and Junior Dos Santos. Like, so here's the thing, BC. It's like, it, I, I do think for him, it's hard to shake off the losses a little bit, especially as he gets older. It's a little hard to, to get things going again. And at 37, it's going to be the hardest it's been, certainly in his life. Um, yeah, yeah, I do think you're onto something. It could be that case. On the other hand, BC, what do we say if all of this analysis ends up being totally wrong he looks sharp, he defends takedowns, or he gets taken down but doesn't take a ton of punishment, shows life, gets up, you know, the, the kind of classic kind of Derek Lewis experience that you're used to and then goes and just blows the doors off of Spitback. It wouldn't necessarily change what his ultimate upside is, but I do think it would have a massive change about where his current level of ability is because one more time, Sergey Spivak has looked the best he's ever looked in this division, so he'd be beating a good fighter on his rise right as we're kind of being like, well, is this the end? Yeah, no, you're right. And for as long as he shows legitimate danger in life as a product, losses are never going to tell the full story on him because he's the perfect TV fighter. He can beat anybody on any given night, all that. But what you just said sets up perfectly the true stakes in this fight. If he goes in there and knocks out Spivak in a round or a round and a half, yeah, we forget about what recently happened. No, we don't look at him as a title contender necessarily, but we can go back to, again, believing C-level Kane, motivated BJ, Every couple fights, you know, Derek Lewis. But if he loses and if he gets stopped or if he gasses, that's the thing. Like, you're only relevant with defeats if you bring a certain product to the table. Excitement or you're a great test for the young guys on the way up. But those implosive losses that he's had, in my opinion, although obviously they're fueled by people hitting him really hard, but I think you get my point. He's just gone. The fight's over. Those suggest something different that if he loses this one, I mean, I don't know. He doesn't get caught, but you take a fall. I mean, he's going to take a fall with a loss here, Luke. This is a, this is this would be bad. This could be bad. It could be quite bad. Now, you mentioned the co-main event. I don't really have a lot to say about this one. Uh, Ion Kutelaba, or however you pronounce his first name, I, I can never remember correctly. Iwan, Luke. Iwan. That's great. Iwan Kutelaba taking on Kennedy and Zechku. Uh Fine fight at 205, not significant stakes. Um, and ZQU out of Fortis MMA, huge reach as a win over Carl, Carl Roberson heading into this, but consecutive losses to Nikolai Negamorano, who just lost to Carlos Olberg on Saturday, and then Daung Jung. And in the case of uh, Iwan Kutelaba, he's off a two-fight losing streak, albeit against much better competition, Ryan Spann and Johnny Walker. BC, any strong thoughts about this one? No, it's not a great fight. Now, it could play out fun in the end, and maybe there's yes. a hunch in that, and certainly the winner is going to be able to put the recent past defeats behind them and you know try to, in theory, start and create new life, and are both in a spot where they could do that, where we haven't seen the best of them yet, of course. But no, Luke, the rest of this card outside of the one, two, or three ones we're no, going to identify some, no, no, no. There's some gems in a on second. This. There's some gems on this. 
Right. So what I said was the rest of this card outside of the one, two, and three fights that we're going to identify uh, yes. in a second. If we get past three, Luke, I'll be shocked. My point is, no, I don't love this as a co-main. I don't love Chase Sherman against Waldo Cortez Acosta after that, even though you know why Chase Sherman is in this spot, because he comes to bang and he's going to make fun TV. But yeah, let's get into more of the hardcore uh, variety yeah. here. So here A couple goes. super sloppies, too. What do you like the most here, Luke? The main card opener. Once again, Bellator picked a fire main card opener. So did UFC. Jack De La Maddalena, one of the top prospects in the sport. In the sport. Jack De La Maddalena taking on Danny Hot Sauce. I think his name is Hot Sauce Roberts, or maybe it's Hot Chocolate. Hot Chocolate. Chocolate. Hot, Hot Chocolate. Chocolate. Yeah. What is, What's his name? You lost, your brain, you lost your damn brain today. Yeah, sorry, dude. I'm To be know. quite candid with you. It's, it is what it is. What it is. All right, BC, I love this one. Jack De La Maddalena coming off of the Contender Series uh, some time ago. I think 20, where, when was that? 20, not, 21. Since then has beaten Pete Rodriguez and Ramazan Emiv, uh in UFC. But, dude, his striking looks so fluid. He can do yeah. so many different things. He can attack the body and the head. He can mix. He can switch stances. He is just a clever, clever striker. Danny Roberts has had some good moments in the octagon. He also has a win over Ramazan Amiv, although that was via split. But he had the loss to uh, Masaranduba more recently at UFC 274. Francisco Trinaldo. You have to love this one. A battle of strikers. Very, very clever guys. Well-trained, well-experienced. What do you think, BC? This is Am yeah. I right to highlight this one? You are. I mean, in one case, it's nearly 5-1 to one odds in the favor of Mr. Madalena, Mr. Wow. Jack Della. Madeline, hey, you didn't you didn't think I was going to pull out the uh, well? Who sang that, Luke? Who was that? I, I, I don't know. I don't listen to uh, bullshit. Was that MC Brains? No. Who's who 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 recorded that great hit, Mister Dabalina? You know that one, Luke. I had that on cassette single. Okay. Wow. Look at me with not being able to remember the name. The point is this: <laughs> while he's a five to one favorite, basically, <laughs> you know, Danny Roberts is kind of the right test on this early early rise for him. Uh, all the things you mentioned, skill-wise, technique-wise, he's got got a punch as well, but he seems mentally to be, like, all about it. And, I mean, all the guys, everybody wants all the smoke, right? And, you know, especially this great all-the-smoke hoodie right here. But he does seem to be, like, his his understanding of the game mixed with his confidence is is ahead of where he's actually at right now. And that's when you start to get that itch, like, we got something special here. We got somebody promising has, though, in the first two fights that he's given us on the UFC level at all, Luke, has it shown you that there's any defensive holes? Does he get hit too much? What, what are your thoughts up to this point? Uh, I don't have his numbers in front of me. We can go over this more on Friday. I don't think he gets hit too much. There is a question of his game's well-roundedness a little bit. Yeah. Uh, now, when I say questions, I don't mean glaring ones, but just sort of like where exactly is the limit, where are the strengths, and that kind of thing. We haven't had a full sense of it. And again, UFC, I think, is doing the right thing here. They're giving him a striker. Well, a, a, a tough you know, a guy with nearly 30 fights, not hardly some scrub, but a guy who's going to you know tilt the game, tilt their fight a little bit more the direction I think uh, De La Badalena likes to fight. So um, still some bigger questions, to be clear, but this is just a guy wow. who, if you're not paying attention, you really, really, really should. He is destined for something probably pretty special. He's from Australia, Luke. I was gonna guess. Yes. I, I was gonna guess that he was Welsh. I forgot that I've heard the Australian accent out of him before, and yeah, I yeah. can't believe you didn't correct me with the Dell the Funky Homo Sapien uh, that was the the artist in question of that great hit. Didn't Mr. really Dabalina. listen to Dell the Funky Homo Sapien. If I can be candid. Oh God, I was huge. I, I appreciate your candidacy. Uh, I was huge. We got a candidacy, Luke. Uh, DT seniors back and uh, Colby has woken up and chosen violence. He has publicly backed on social media. Donald Trump and not this 
this high riser, this young up and comer in Ron DeSantis. Are you it's gonna, surprised? It's going to be all? interesting. It's going to be interesting. All right, two other fights on this card, BC, that I know you're going to care about. 125. Uh, it's on the prelim card. Jennifer Maya is back against Marina yeah. Moroz. Is this the BC Super Sloppy Special? What are, where are we on this it's one? It's not, but it's in contention for that. Look, no, this is actually a, an interesting fight here because Marina Moroz, she's making a lot of attention for the things she's signing up for outside the cage business-wise. Hey, cool on her, Luke, right? I don't know if you follow her on Instagram. But she, she's also she in pre- Playboy? I think she's going to be, yeah. I haven't, okay. I haven't you know... Uh, <clears throat> I haven't seen that stuff, but you know, I would only mm. read the articles mm. anyway. Look, mm. you know, remember when people used to say that it was like a classy dirtbag dad joke? You know, oh, I only read it for the articles. Yeah, but you just outed yourself as an absolute dirt hole. <laughs> I mean, well, it was it was considered classy in the eighties for dads to have side mags, right? Or no? no Not mom, even just I mean. the eighties. I had friends, dude. My, I had fraternity brothers who like would live off campus. You go to their bathrooms and have a stack of Playboys by the okay. shitter. That was a good yeah, time. Yeah, these are for, these are college frat kids. I'm not. Ta- I was talking about like dads. I wasn't talking about like I, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, dads I are a lot just of college frat things. kids, just thirty years older and sadder. All right, I like this fight because it's going to tell us exactly where Marina Moroz is as a rising contender, and she's had some good wins lately, Luke, and she's you know really starting to put it together. It seems Jennifer Maya. I don't think she's at the stock that she once was at the time she. Fought for the title, and let's give her credit, man. You know, I mean, Tyler Santos pushed Valentina the most at 125, but Jennifer Maya made things interesting in that fight. Since then, I'm trying to think of the loss she had, Luke, that scared me. Do you remember that? I'm going to look it up real quick. Who? Jennifer Maya. Jennifer Maya had a loss that scared you? Scared me on, on the direction she's going. Okay, so it's well, a back-to-back back decision two back-to-back losses. Back losses. So, back to, so she comes out of that title shot, looks good in a loss, beats Jessica I, you should have... And then it's the back-to-back decision defeats to Caitlin Chukagian and now Manon Ferro. Now, I sh- I- I- I'll take it back. I'm not concerned on any of those in particular. I didn't see an implosion, but I did see back-to-back losses against two of the top contenders who just fought, by the way, for a potential number one contender spot. So this is the right fight at the right time to find out about Moroz, but on the flip side to see if Gen- Jennifer Maya still has it here. We know what Jennifer Maya can do on the ground, Luke. When she's able to get off with her power shots, though, on the feet... She's twice as dangerous. She can't always do that against every opponent. She had problems finding Manon Farrell consistently. But when you look at what's, what's going to be asked to both of them style-wise, it's a good-ass fight. That's why I don't put the super sloppy name t- uh, name tag on it, Luke. This is a good fight for 125. Are you in on it? Yeah, no, it's a great fight. I actually like it a lot. It's on the prelim card, so you know people might make a, a judgment about it and its worthiness by virtue of its card placement. But no, I actually like it a lot. But there are some big questions, like Marina Moreau's how good is she? Jennifer Maya, how good is she still, right? So you're getting a bit of a coming and a going. And Moroz is not, I mean, she, the thing is, Maya has losses to back-to-back to Chikagian and Fioro, right? These kind of like distance jabbers and, you know, long-range kickers. Moroz can kind of play that game, but isn't so disciplined with it in the way that Chikagian and Fioro are. So it has some echoes of those fights, but still is very much its own one. So well, here's it'll be the interesting problem. to see if she can overcome. The problem for Moroz is she's had five fights in six years. That's really the problem. And, you know, there were two back-to-back decision defeats to Esparza and Angela Hill there. And it's, she's bounced back nicely. She's on a three-fight losing... Uh, I'm sorry, a three-fight uh, winning streak coming in. But again, those three fights took place over like a four-year period. So it is tough to figure out exactly where she, who she is and where she's going. The second-round submission went over uh, Agap- Agapova, excuse me, Agapova, Maria Agapova yeah. in March. 
obviously that's the big eye opener. You know, it was, it was nasty. She went about her business in a, in a, you know, I love the pace she set, the intention she had. Now you have to ask yourself, is Agapova going in the wrong direction and, and you know, not going to live up to some of that early pandemic hype that she hoped that she showed that's certainly in play. But if that's who, who Moroz could be moving forward, and if she's able to do that against somebody as tough as Maya, that's the real, you know, what's at stake in here. Yeah, this should probably be on the main card, Luke. This this has better stakes than most of these fights. Let's be fair here. All right, and then the one that I know you really, I mean, you must just, you're not going to have pants on for this fight. Marie, <laughs> that's, see, Maria that's Oliveira in- taking on Vanessa Demopoulos. We actually saw Vanessa where? At the at the Jake Paul fight, right? Randomly, yeah, at the Jake there? Paul uh, weigh-in uh, where we were interviewing GSP. I think she was there like as a media member. I'm not sure what the deal was. But, uh, you know, this is your BC super sloppy special of the week, okay? And I know you're always BC to watch with your pants off. No, none of that stuff, Luke. I just love really high theatrical women's MMA that's batshit crazy and goes back and forth. Shades of like, remember the first Ronda Rousey Misha Tag fight under Strike Force label? That mm-hmm. fight was all over the place. Vanessa Demopoulos makes crazy fights that are all over the place. Uh, she'll take big damage. She's a threat to score surprise submissions after doing so. She's a dog in there. Uh, anytime she fights Luke, she's becoming must see TV. Now, obviously, the the you know the extra training she does on the pole and she's proud about it. That you know that makes fun headlines. But she could, she could fight. She's got the fighting spirit. The question is, can she fight at this level consistently? Every time she comes out, I'm, I'm here to see it. Maria Oliveira is going to provide the challenge as the slight betting favorite, minus 115. To uh, I'm sorry, no, Demopoulos is minus 105. So this is a virtual pick'em. But don't forget, last fight, Luke Demopoulos was like a four to one underdog and came out there and got a got a submission win. So she makes the craziness. Um, I'm here for it. Are you here for uh, Ricky Tercios from um, what was he a tough tough fame? Uh, I believe so. No, I don't have a strong feeling one way or the other about Tercios versus Natividad. Nativity. Nativity. Do do you guys have a nativity scene in your house on Christmas? Uh, Yeah, yeah. There's like a Christmas village that my wife and son put out on like a table in the hallway, and there is a nativity scene in there, Luke, because I believe... as a person living with Hispanic people, we have several of them in this house. uh, I think that's great that you are regularly, actively in your house celebrating the birth of my Savior, Luke, and that's what this holiday used to be about, okay? so We don't don't celebrate my birth on Christmas. Yeah, I know, I know. No, I, you know, enjoy, enjoy whatever holiday you want under any terms. I'm not here to bust your balls, but, um, yeah, nativity scenes are pretty cool too, Luke. I'm into that stuff. Um, you into anything else on here, Luke? I know you were, you were telling me offline that you're a big Fernie Garcia fan, uh, against no, Brady Heist. No, the rest of the card is, uh, fine, but unremarkable. Not even right. Rodolfo Vieira against Cody Brundage? You don't like that? Rodolfo Hod- Vieira. Here's the thing, dude. Rodolfo Vieira has been. Uh, his UFC run did not go as I had expected it to because here's what I had what I had picked up on from his grappling. Again, one of the best grapplers in all of MMA, right? Um, and he had good takedowns in jiu-jitsu. Like, he had very good takedowns. But I guess going back to it, they were a little bit more gi-based than I remembered them to be. He always had pretty good judo for a jiu-jitsu guy, um, but doesn't have like a, you haven't seen any evidence of that in the octagon at all. And in fact, like his like here's what we talk about all the time. People take it for granted. Like Mackenzie Dern has a lopsided game, but when she gets hit, she doesn't lose composure. Vieira loses composure. He doesn't quite have the the sort of centered nature and you know uh, like that kind of that kind of bearing 
that you need under fire. He hasn't shown. I mean, he's shown to be tough. Don't get me wrong. He's not like some kind of guy who's just sort of getting by despite being tough. No, he's tough, but he loses composure, which means he loses his best ability to get his game to the next stage. And so, um, you know, I, I just don't really know what the upside is. He looks fucking great coming off the scale, but that's, you know, no, I'm not super thrilled. Yeah, well, he's, he's yeah, this, I mean, are we are we nearing the end here? Um, I, that's a tough question. I, I, I don't have high hopes. I'll put it that way. Yeah, people don't like to, to answering or asking tough questions these days, Luke. Luckily, you have me in your life. Thank God you're here, BC. Yeah. Thank God. Oh, hey, dude, right. did you see, I know you don't like when I constantly interrupt the show, but did you see Rafion Stotts of Bellator MMA fame wearing our fantastic MK uh, bomber jacket? in the gym yes. and then adrian yanez was like yo man like what up and what was that great line they dropped he said yo that bitch clean yeah <laughs> I, I, if 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 rj doesn't come out with an mk that bitch clean <laughs> shirt like you know or put that on the back of the mr plow jacket i mean it is bomber jacket season right now so i know adrian yanez who has great boxing just great boxing i know he's outed you on social media and said Look, I'm like a, you know, MKP1 here. Outed me. Here. He tagged you too, motherfucker. He didn't out he's like, me. He's like, I'm like an MKP1 here. What the fuck, dude? And our collective answer was, you only get that if you go on the couch, right? That's like a parting gift that RJ yeah. gives our fine people. So, yeah. hey, come to the couch, bro. You can get lost in that cushion. There's, there's, There might be dead women in there. I mean, we'll, we'll find it together, okay? Because down there, it's our time. Our time, right? Come come make it happen. We'll, we'll outfit you in plenty of things, all right? Down here, we all float. Um, BC, that that people joke about it. Like, dude, that bomber jacket is legit. Like, it oh, fits great. great. My wife fucking loves it. Like, it's a legit great jacket. It, so, th I think that's probably our, our seriously our best product, top to bottom. Hundred percent. But I will say 100%. this about the the drug rugs. I know it's got a comedic effect. Some of you would never go near it. It's not only legit in terms of quality. It's warm. Like, you don't actually need a winter jacket when you put that thing on. So reconsider your holiday options and send your email to RJ and you'll get great discounts for Black Friday. Thank you very much. Look, Black Friday sucks. It's weird. People go out and fight each other in stores and miss holidays to like wait in line outside. Can you like imagine fist fighting someone in a Walmart over an air fryer? I mean, you should just leave the country forever. Like you're the yeah. worst person in America. Yeah. But you know, if that's what you're into, hey, why don't you give us your email address and we'll give you deals. All right. That's how it works. Luke, take back the show. All right. There you go. Bro, I dated back. a girl who was, she was wealthy and she still got in line for Black Friday deals because she just liked the experience of, wait, this is in high school. And she just loved the experience of just standing in lines. And I used to be like, I think I have to fucking dump you. You're a fucking idiot. Like, what are you talking yeah. about? This is. Well, yeah, she she's gonna, unfortunately, Luke, she's probably as a cruel joke that life served her. She's probably been standing in a lot of lines since then. You know what I mean? The unemployment, the, uh, the clinic for, uh, you know, STD testing, Luke, you know what I mean? If they, if I'm going to, if I'm miscal, you know, if I'm being no, just a, she makes money on wall street now, I found out. So, so joke, she jokes a, on us. Is she a swinging corporate raider, Luke? Yeah. Something like that. Something like that. All right. Uh, BC, now I, I'm just going to be candid with the audience. I'm not going to pretend to know things I don't know, but uh, here is what... Also, I don't quite understand the strategy. So one has a card Friday night on Amazon Prime. 
one on Prime Video 4. I mean, just the worst naming convention you could ever imagine. <laughs> they keep going back to it, right? Just the fucking worst. Now, here's the well, truth, Well, it's a good though. TV deal. It's a, it's, a, it's a good TV deal. It just doesn't have to be, like, the title of your program, right? Right, 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 right. Now, they actually have another card that same day. They're doing that. They've been doing this for a while. They have one championship, 163, or I guess maybe the day before. I'm not sure how it counts in Singapore, whatever it is. Yeah, the day, the day after maybe. But they're putting these two events back to back. The one that's not going to air on Amazon, we're going to skip in large part because the main event is a kickboxing bout. The co-main event is a kickboxing bout. Shinya Aoki is in it, but you know he's long in the tooth. I will say Yushin Okami is back after three years, 41 years of age. Yushin Okami is back on that card on the 19th for one. But BC, speaking about one on Prime Video 4, here's essentially what they're doing. It may not make any sense because of weight classes and everything. They have not one, but two champ champ fights. So here's how it's going to work. They're going to have lightweight champion Christian Lee is going to take on one welterweight champion, Kiamrian Abasov, right? And then one flyweight Muay Thai world champion, Rod Tang, who, of course, fought Demetrius Johnson, is going to defend his belt against strawweight Muay Thai world champion for one, Joseph Lassiri. So you've got back-to-back, one person moving up to the next weight class, champ-champ fights. BC, here's what I want to say about this. I, I've, I know a fair amount about Christian Lee. Um, he looks pretty good. I don't know exactly. I mean, he beat Timothy Nastyukian, who well, that was the guy that fucked up Eddie Alvarez, and he's beaten some other good guys. It's only 24. Um, Dude, only 24. He's a very good fighter. He's got some losses on his record, but he, you know, uh, I, I don't think that they speak to his ultimate upside at all. Here's just the thing for me, BC. When you look at these names, also on this card, the one on Prime Video, the guy who, I don't know, he may have ended the career of Sage Northcutt, Cosmo Alessandri, who fought in Bellator previously. He is back for the first time since that fight. He's yeah. on this card three years later, taking on Juan Cervantes. Uh, Bibiano Fernandez is back on this card. There's a bunch it's a of decent like, sort card. Of, Look, I, I'm here for Rod Tang, but it's a, Daniel Kel, uh, Danielle Kelly, who is a great grappler out of the United States, is on this oh, card yeah, in a we, grappling super fight. Hold on, but let me just say this real quick. Yes, 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 yes. But let me just make a, a broader point about this card more generally. I've been saying this, and I think that it's this is true. Look, they've got a uh, they've got an MMA fight, and they've got a champ champ Muay Thai fight, and they got a grappling fight outside of the UFC. It is just incontestably true that one's got the most unique product for MMA fans or combat sports fans. That much is just in, in, undeniable. However, BC, when I read you these names, Kiamrian Abasov, uh, Rod Tang, so of course, hardcore fans are going to know that. Cosmo Alashandri, you know, uh, all, all these names I went over before. These are not household American names. These are not household North American names. These are not uh, not a single one of these names is known to casual fans. And so, do you agree with me that while they have the most unique product, their major hurdle is they're trying to get American fans to like certain sports and uh, names that they just have zero relationship to? Yes, but here's you're right. You're right. And when it doesn't help that the other two key free agent pickups at the time of Demetrius Johnson, Eddie Alvarez and Sage Northcutt, you know, didn't ultimately pan out well. They did get a handful of fights out of Eddie. And one of those was in prime time, you know, when they had that Turner deal. But, um, you know, 
it did, they did, you know, the, both guys aren't active or even with the organization, it seems at the moment. So they never quite replaced that in the idea of let's throw catnip out to the mainstream American fan and get people that they know, although they did bring in John Lineker, which is a good pickup in that regard. I do think the, you know, like anything else, the COVID and the, in the pandemic hurt what, what was their master plan to launch that inevitable U.S. debut, which I know they're still forming now. But I think you do have to ask yourself this, where has there consistently been in this Amazon Prime run, like, more reason than not to tune in for each card. Well, maybe not each one, depending on your level of hardcore knowledge of some of these names. But it's like, dude, that shouldn't always be your calling card, though, to lean on the past. Now, you know, a Strike Force, a Bellator, anybody who's, you know, PFL, they do that at times. And I think you have to do that strategically at times to, to give people a reason to try you out. But after they try you out, you've got to show them how special you actually are. So this has been actually pretty aggressive matchmaking of late from one, creating all of these champ champ opportunities. We just saw Angela Lee, Christian's sister, in a trilogy bout of basically champ champ fights. What what does that do, though, when you match that aggressively? It, it, it kind of forces that American audience who may be tuning in because they heard some news or they watched the DJ fight, and right away they're like trying to make stars with the best assets they have right in front of you and, and serving it up. It's aggressive, but that may be the best course of keeping you there and wanting you to come back. So the next card, yeah, you know that aging name, but you also know these these other guys. I mean, look, I'll say this about them. I, you know, same thing I said about PFL before their damn intelligent cage just won my ass over. I mean, it's so fucking smart. It's ridiculous. But Luke. If you're all these guys, I want to dismiss you because I'm like, man, I don't have time in my diet for more MMA, right? I'm already watching everything UFC, Bellator, you know, everybody else has given me. But then you taste test it. And, you know, like a lot of those other promotions that are competing for time, you know, I like it. I like the, the rebrand that PFL's gone through in recent years. I really like what I've seen out of one so far, the competitiveness, the hunger, the way the presentation is, is you know, it's got some Bushido vibes. It's got a little bit of that Asian theatrical flair, but it's, <coughs> it's hey, come tune in. We're not going to fill the time with video packages. We're just going to give you awesome action. In that regard, Luke, let's give them a chance to win us over sure. by putting this, the young stars they do have in crazy opportunities. I mean, look, look, DJ versus Rod Tang was smart. You know what I mean? It's fun. Nah, kind DJ of versus been... Rod Tang, I mean, okay, smart in what sense? Uh, it's it's an attraction. It's a way to introduce people to Rod Ting that weren't that didn't know of his wonder, okay. and it yes, was also yes, just yes, sort yes. of interesting. As a fight, yeah. as a fight, it was stupid. As a marketing gimmick, it it was very useful. Right, that's the best way because Pr Pride did this shit a long time ago, and the results are always the fucking same, or usually always the fucking same. But as a marketing tool, I think it was quite successful. Who from this card? You mentioned Danielle Kelly, who's in a super fight or grappling match, but who else from this card stands out to you that you really care about? Bibiana Fernandez is back. Okay, I, I, main event, you want to see if Christian Lee here can become a two-division champion. He's 24. His sister is also a star on the rise. They've got another younger sister. This is sort of that young family from the U.S. that is sort of like perfect to pair with a Demetrius Johnson when you're trying to make this U.S. invasion. So I want to see him go up here against Abbasov and, and, and see if find out how good he really is because I haven't watched a ton of him. Rod Tang's automatic. You know, the names you mentioned, I kind of know them and remember them. But look, I had a lot of MK users DM me specifically and say, bro, start following Danielle Kelly on Instagram. And I think I know the reason why they did. But what I ultimately found out was she's seems to be an up and comer in the submission grappling game, has intentions of taking that over to MMA. 
and is you know from Philadelphia and and has a big following already. I'm just becoming aware. Ooh, BC, I've got some breaking news. I was going to ask you, Luke, if you thought she was a, a prospect to watch in that regard, or do we just have you know grimy fans that that um you have grimy fans you have grimy fan we have grimy fans uh very quickly uh, breaking news it's official we knew this was kind of coming but now it's official uh okay yair rodriguez is going to fight josh emmett for the interim featherweight title in perth ufc 284 it's official official yeah they had they had kind of made it official official the other day but now it's officially officially official and they didn't make it it official before yeah, they did. Some people said we kind of missed it uh, in the in oh, the, in the interim. There, and our we should have said it on Monday. It, it was it was already. All right, well, fuck there. me then. Fuck me then. All right. Uh, you know well, what? Well, I we mean, were, I love we that were hanging fight. on by a thread. I love that freaking fight. Okay. Um, do you want me to talk about that, or are you going to answer my no. Danielle the, Kelly question? Luke? The Danielle Kelly question. She's an interesting black belt. She has not won anything to date in terms of like. Um, I don't think at the black belt level she's won a world championship. She certainly she she did well, I think, at the ADCC trials, but I don't think she has got anything beyond that. In fact, she had a grappling match with Flo against Tammy Musumeci. That's the brother of the other Musumeci who's in. Yeah, one. Mikey. Yeah, Mikey, Mikey yes, Musumeci. Yeah. Yes, Mikey, who 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 is who is a nerd that loves pizza. Um, uh, so does our Mikey. Our Mikey too. You know, what I mean, you know, THC infused pizza probably, but you know. Um. So she is a very good black belt out of uh, the Philadelphia area, I believe. She represents Silver Fox BJJ. So she she has wins over Carla Esparza in grappling from like you know pro grappling events and whatnot, but um, hasn't quite you know she's not like Bouchesha. She's not like you know I don't know pick someone like um, you get the idea. She's she's yeah. she's done some good things, but doesn't have that A level win just yet. Uh, but she's exciting. She goes for it. Should be a fun contest against Maria Molchanova. Um, but look, you would agree that everybody needs gimmicks to get the audience to try them. Would you say that these are better gimmicks than like going the extreme old guy versus old guy route or going the, here's the thing. Like, I don't want people to misinterpret what I'm saying. It sounds like what I'm saying is, Oh, nice try, but this is no good. That's not my point. If you watch one, I've been, and you can look at my tweets after the last three events of these, I've been like, damn, these came out good. These were good. These were really good. I have zero doubt that this event on Friday will be really good for one. But there's this question of like, A, how much is Amazon paying them? Two, you know, Amazon's trying to get this sort of hub for sports, but like, I don't know how well that's going beyond Thursday night football. And the other part too is again, it's like this totally divorced product from the American audience trying to now get the Americans to like it. I'm not saying that that's not a worthy pursuit. I would love nothing more. I would love nothing more for this to be successful. And I love what they do with the Muay Thai and the grappling and how it changes everything. And it gives you access to more high level athletes than, you know, just trying to fight for the exact same pool of MMA fighters alone. Dude, it's great. The, the one product is great. As much shit as I give Tatri Sityotong, the product is great. I just don't know how sellable it is to the average person who cares about MMA on even a moderate level, this is a tough sell for them. Is that my only point? Yeah, you know, that's fair. That's fair. But I guess if you hope that they tune in just in time to see Rod Tang come out like the Ultimate Warrior and just, like, just start starching people, Luke. I've seen that gif where he does that. The, yeah. I'd have Rod like. Tang fight every other fight, each card. How about that? <laughs> just keep serving him up, you know, the equivalent of Uber drivers and, yeah. Let them have it. Uh, all right, BC, let's talk about topic number four here. 
before we get to over-under, which is the PFL has revealed their pay-per-view price for their upcoming pay-per-view on the 25th of November. It's going to be $49.99 on ESPN+. Let me tell you what you're getting with that if you buy it. Main card's going to feature seven total fights, including six championship bouts that will crown winners. Uh, so you're going to get Kayla Harrison versus Larissa Pacheco 2. Actually, they've already fought before. The three, Luke. It's a trilogy the, fight. This okay. is the third one? Jesus. Okay, here we go. Even better. Brendan Lochnan taking on Bubba Jenkins for the featherweight championship. That's actually a great fight. I love that one. Uh, Anton Delia or Anton Delia, I never know how to pronounce it, taking on Mateus Scheffel for the heavyweight. I like Stevie, that fight. Yeah. Yep. Stevie Ray versus Olivier Aubin Mercier for lightweight. That's great. Uh, Delano Taylor for taking on Sadabu C for the Dude, welterweight this fight's going to be good. The welterweight one's sneaky. I like that one. The, 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 none of these are bad fights, although this one is less interesting to me. Omari Akhmedov taking on Rob Wilkinson for the light heavyweight championship. You might remember both those guys from middleweight runs in the UFC. And then Aspen Ladd taking on Julia Budd. Uh, Marlon Moraes is on this card, on the preliminary card, which will be free. Taking on Shaman Moraes, Jeremy Stevens versus Natan Schultz. Megamed, Megamed Karamov taking on Gleason Tebow. And then, by the way, uh, how do you pronounce this guy's name? Is it Biagio or Biagio? Yeah, Ali Biagio. Walsh taking on Tom Grasser. Um, BC, here's my question to Ale- you. Alexa's brother. Yeah, got yeah. it, got it, yeah. BC, here's my question to you. These are all fine fights. Forced to nitpick, of course, like any fight, you could find something. There's nothing wrong with them. But my question is, number one, how well will this do on pay-per-view? And B, are you worried about the future of the organization that they're moving this quickly into pay-per-view, not with a weak quality card, but understand something. What's the job of the promoter? The job of the promoter is to put on fights that people want to pay money to see. I don't know that people want to pay money to see that. Yeah, it's like part of me is like, well, I don't hate not only the ambition of putting your championship on pay-per-view, but trying to set this precedent that we're only going to get better in the future in terms of our names and we give you good action already. And good Lord, is our cage just a fucking savant, right? But, you know, it's like the, the selling model, it's old pro wrestling. It should be get your first round and second round, third round matchups for free, but then come back and pay for the, you know, for the, for the championship, the main event there. I, it's like, in theory, I don't hate that, but paired with... What we already know, which is that in 2023, they they plan to aggressively go into the pay-per-view space with at least two fights, you know, under the guise of can we keep Kayla Harrison happy? Can we keep her getting matchups that matter? And can we give her the things that she would have gotten naturally if, if they had allowed her to sign with the UFC, which was a lesser deal, you know, apparently than when she ended up signing with, with PFL, but they had matching rights. Under that guise, is this specific pay-per-view compelling or star-studded enough to to really necessitate no it's not it, it, again if you're trying to just start that new precedent where the championship will always be go for it but 49.99 no you know i like these fights a lot and i think if you've been watching even if begrudgingly you you, you gotta come across around to it pfl's fun it's good matchmaking it's competitive it's all you know it's all it's all good but is it good enough for you to pay for it uh the proof will be in the in the put and in that regard no question about it and i just you know you don't want to see them jump into pay-per-view when they're not fully ready or don't have a plan of attack or don't have access to the right opponents particularly for kayla so you know can you get a cyborg in here can you justify it 
you know, let's see what happens. But uh, I'm not holding my breath here on this. I want to see these fights. I will see these fights. You know, if I have to pay for them legally and expense it, Luke, that's the avenue I will take. But have you, have you ever of heard day, of uh, Have you ever heard of uh, Ben Thompson, who has a website called uh, Stratechery? I believe it's what it's called. No. So this is this dude who worked for all of these major companies and now lives in Taiwan and started this like independent newsletter where he would break down how the business of tech worked and he would do it with diagrams and all this stuff. It was so good that now he has audience with all of the tech giants. The newsletter blew up. He makes a ton of money because he really understands the business. And one thing he said that's true, not just for tech, but for everyone, was that if you've given away your product for free before, it's a real bad idea to then put a paywall behind it after. Right, the best way to put a paywall up is from the word go. If that's the if that's the if that makes sense to have a paywall, don't introduce it later. Introduce it right up front because once you've given away something for free, they don't want to pay for it then after the fact. We've had multiples of these kinds of cards, all free or at least you know with the ESPN Plus or with your cable subscription essentially already, and now they're putting it behind a pay per view. I mean, let me just be very clear about this. I would love to be very wrong. Because, again, everyone's like, oh, we're bagging on these promotions. We're not. Dude, MMA is better. My job is easier. My job is more lucrative, frankly, when all of the PFLs and everyone else outside of the UFC can have more success. That's just generally going to be true. But this pay-per-view is going to fucking tank. I mean, it's yeah, going to it tank is. hard, right? I don't know who the fuck is going to pay 50 bucks cool. for fights that they used to get for free for the entirety of the PFL's experience up to this point and you don't have anyone on there that is even close to I would call a big star in MMA or a proven pay-per-view talent um, would you give so that they're same already going to pay-per-view because here's the thing to get people to get paid money what they want you got to go to pay-per-view that's really where all the money is but they don't have any of the ingredients that make pay-per-view successful I, I have concerns about them I feel like you would give that same exact speech to any straw weights out there that were considering only fans right Luke no, if they went to OnlyFans right up front and gave, like if they were just putting up everything for free, like if you could just put up hardcore pornography on Instagram, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that. Put that hardcore no. pornography behind a paywall. Yeah, you know what I'm please. Saying? Uh, all right. So back to the legitimacy of this. So here's what they're lacking. They're lacking a secondary attraction or just star power fight that would justify you if you were on the fence. If you were like, hey, I have watched the season. I do want to see if Pacheco has the punching power to finally give Kayla issues after, you know, taking her to a decision twice before that. Um, but it doesn't have the, let me insert the creation I created a while ago, Eddie Alvarez versus Anthony Pettis. Luke, if they had put that out as the, like, uh, you know, co-main event attraction, come see two legends brawl, I think you got a fighting chance. I love Aspen Lad versus Julia Butt. Is that even still happening? I thought there were issues in, a, in an Aspen Lad fight. Or did they get a new opponent, or am I just behind the times? Look, no, I, I think don't know. behind the times. The issue was that uh, Shane Burgos fell off the card. As I, that's right. That's Shaman Marais. Yeah. So, I mean, okay, so you can argue and say, look, they tried, right? They tried to put Shane Burgos and Marlon Marais together, but that's not Eddie Alvarez versus... Anthony Pettis. Not that I think a ton of people are clamoring for Eddie Alvarez versus Anthony Pettis, but I think you get my point. It doesn't have any of that here, Luke. So it's got depth to it, yeah, but it's depth you're used to catching for free if you got nothing else going on. So this is a tough, a tough first step potentially in that direction. If that direction is only going to lead to more, you know, in their 2023 pay per view division, Luke, is that ever going to get off the ground? I mean, what does 2023 look like for Kayla and the PFL? I don't I think know. I got, I really I got legit don't questions. Know. Yeah. yeah, I feel bad that MMA contracts are what they are, where 
as long as someone matches and they've got matching rights for like a fucking year and you know if someone gives them a good offer but the other promotion can match then they have to get they have to go back again everyone thinks that like oh she chose pfl no pfl chose her quite the opposite actually that someone made an offer and by contract she had to go back or retire she couldn't just be like oh i'm going to disregard this they had matching rights that's listen to that word right they had a right to match and they did and so as a consequence she has to fight for them uh, it doesn't serve her long-term interests, it seems. I mean, you know, listen, if you just just do it like yourself a, a very basic test, right? Pick out the last UFC card, pick the top three fights, and look at the Google trends around those names and see how high they get, right? Then you can compare them on the same graph with any of the names here. Pick the top three names, whatever you think they are on this card, and match them up, and you're going to see a vast, vast, an ocean of difference between the level of searching and engagement around those terms versus the one on the PFL. They don't they do not have the ingredients to make pay-per-view work. This thing is going to tank, it's going to tank spectacularly and um I, that sucks because it's not a function of quality. It's not a function of quality. It's a function of star power and the star power is just there's there's none. There's none on that card um unfortunately. So we shall see. BC, we are getting closer to the end of the month and you know what that means. Almost time to select the first ever Money Lion Hammer of the Month. For those of you who may have missed it, a few weeks back, we decided that we want to start spotlighting undercard fighters, not prelim necessarily, who aren't getting the recognition they deserve. Our new sponsor, Money Lion, agreed, so we came up with a Hammer of the Month, which invites you donks, the viewers, to nominate which undercard fighters blew your mind and deserve to be rewarded for it. Very simply, go to moneylion.com slash morning combat to learn more on how to enter you can use the qr code on the screen there as well yeah i mean you know there's a few that's blown our mind so far i appreciate people uh using those hashtags we mentioned hammer of the month holy hammer even the people that have used holly hammer i'm down for that too but yeah luke uh whether it was aaron blanchfield pollyanna viana there's been a few it's going to be interesting to see who comes out in the end and i like money lion you know Maybe maybe reaching out and, and, and giving a showcase a spotlight on somebody who's yet to fully break through but seems to be knocking on that door. Um, if we can get our hammer in their hands, that, that's you know, <laughs> as long as it's consenting, that is a, that's a boon for everyone, Luke. Well, 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 well noted. Thank you. Yeah. All right, BC, le- up to you. I think legally we were supposed to say that, but yes, yes, they can go to moneyline.com slash morning combat to learn more to enter today. Thank you. All right. Okay. Uh, Luke, awkward pauses be damned. Um, yeah, thanks. All right. You just gave up there. You were like, you know, whatever. Just yeah, it's, your, it's your turn. Okay. Uh, Luke, sometimes we fill time while looking at the latest headlines in combat sports. And this is one of those times, but it's a good one. They call it over-under. Yeah. So, LT, I got a handful of numbers and scenarios. You tell me which one's the safer bet. Now, speaking of Kayla Harrison... She recently talked to MMA News, and they asked her to name her top five all-time female MMA fighters. So like the Mount Rushmore plus one of female MMA history. Man. Her answers, number five, she had a tie between Rose and Holly. Number four, Joanna. Three, Ronda Rousey. Two, Cyborg. And number one, the Lioness, Amanda Nunes. Mm. So four... The number of recurring names that you would have on your same list in comparison to Kayla. 
Read her list one more time. Number one, Amanda, then Cyborg, Rhonda, Joanna, and number five was a Rose Holly Holm tie. So there's six. We're saying that over under, you'd have at least four of those six. Definitely three. Ooh. Not definitely one? Really? Oh, no, you're I'm saying hey, you're not saying the number, you're saying the total. Okay, the yeah, total, yeah, yeah. definitely total, 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 three. Total. Okay, okay. Um would I put Rose top five? Ooh. You better. Yeah, probably. I probably would. So I would have four. Was it four? When she's the, the best, Luke, she's the best. Okay, Rose, I just want you to know that. Um okay. so you'd have four. So yes. it'd be a push. It wouldn't be over or under. I mean, look, what's the biggest thing? What's the biggest name that everyone's screaming that Caleb missed here? Um, I mean, you could go old school a little bit, like, and or you could this. go Valentina right now, Luke. That, or you could do that, right? You could do Valentina. You could do if you wanted to Megumi Fujii. You could do nobody will though. Respect to Megumi Fujii. No one's doing that anymore. Luke. I mean, can it you was name a, one fight she had, motherfucker? It was another one? time and another place. It's going to become like Hoist Gracieing this list, okay, Luke? I mean, that's really not even remotely accurate, but... um, Hey, I like putting you on your heels regardless. When Izzy got put on his heels after getting his heels kicked a bunch, Luke, that's what happened in round five. It's, you know, I'm never afraid late in a fight to try to win it against you. I yeah, just want dude, you to know espousing that. ignorant opinions is not putting me on my heels, just just so that's clear. Yeah, but it may open you up for a big mistake that I can capitalize on. That might be you. true. That might be yeah, true. Yeah. Um. You know, I mean, let me ask you this because I don't, I have never, I have, like, there's also like old school Marlouz Kunin. I wouldn't put her top five, but, you know, I think there's a, honorable mention maybe somewhere in there. What about the idea? Would, no, I guess you wouldn't put Misha Tate on there either. I'm just trying to think about all that, that storied class of bantamweights that were around when Ronda was around. Um, yeah, Valentina would be the one big omission on that list that I think you would have to include for sure. So yeah. you then you'd have to bounce Holly, right? Yeah, you'd bounce Holly for sure. You'd bounce Holly. Yeah. Okay. okay. I wouldn't. I would bounce her just on account of Rose. Like, that's Rose's spot. You know. Uh, Luke, I believe it's this weekend. Am I wrong on this? Uh, DAZN was going to have their new. Uh, what do they call it? The wild card division, the X division. I forgot what they call it, but it's basically crossover fights, and it will be this weekend. But Vitor Belfort won't be involved, Luke. He was forced to pull out of his boxing matchup against Hasim Rahman Jr. But the replacement is somebody you know all too well. Star of the gridiron, former mixed martial artist, Greg Hardy going to take on Hasim Rahman Jr. Hardy did recently win his boxing debut by big knockout. We know Hasim Rahman Jr. has got a somewhat questionable run to 12-1. and one. Um... The over-under I'm asking you here is 1.5. The number of rounds Hasim Rahman Jr. versus Greg Hardy will go. Oh, 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 oh. wow. You put it at one and a half. God, you guys. No, this is a Mikey Mormile production. This is well put together here. One and a half is his over the Put the, put the, put the uh, graphic back up. I just want to look at this. Dude, you're talking about the two biggest flakes in combat sports. Are you not? <laughs> I mean... I mean, but this is a good line because Hardy can punch. He also may just get handled or this is really gross and it goes like three, four rounds anyway, right? What's it scheduled for? Do we know? No, I've tr- I've been somewhat distant from this. I mean, I'll watch it, right? I'd subscribe to DAZN. I'll watch it, but... Um, <sighs> Jesus Christ. Um, 
I mean, it's gross. I mean, look, this is one of the, this is the all. I mean, this isn't just gas station hot dogs. This is like, like they say. So once in a while, Mass Pike and you know, on the way to Boston, they used to inject the hot dog with the hot cheese beforehand before they put it on the roller. Now, Luke, that's as grimy and bad for you as you can. I mean, well, you vape, so you know, as you can get. But I still stood in line for that shit, Luke. I still took it down. I had to know what it was on the other side of that, what was on the inside of that even. I don't know where I'm going. Oh, this fight is one of those, Luke. I have to know what it looks like. You know, I just have to. It's one. So this, four this, rounders. This fight is what you see when you go into the porta potty at the Renaissance <laughs> Festival. You know what I mean? Just... Just what somebody just shitting it? I mean, what are we just doing? Just shit here? and blood and just all. All things. right. Um, what, what was the birthing room floor now? I mean, come on. Way, no. Mikey says the fight is scheduled for four rounds, so it's only scheduled for four. I'll take the goddamn. <laughs> goddamn, this is a tough one, Oof. dude. Mikey only puts tough questions in there. All right. Uh, you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna take the under. I'm gonna take the under on this one. This is okay. not. This is a shit show in the to the nth but degree. But dude, you admit that that Hardy's gonna be dangerous. Uh, for like 60 seconds, right? So does that force oh, yeah. Rockman into like a shell or does he just go, no, you can't box. I'm going to come out brawn. Dude, I don't know what to make of Haseem Rockman, who's trying to get a hold of this like new style of, not new style, new way of promoting yourself outside of traditional opponents. But, yeah, but you know, the, the, the part about that that's hard for him to be a badass while doing that is part of us getting interested is the idea that he's not as good as his name or record would indicate. So he's got to like dumb down his game to kind of be considered for these, right? Yes. Greg Hardy seems like the perfect opponent for whatever the fuck they're going to do. Yeah, I'll take the under. I'll take the under on this one. I think that this one is just designed to be a complete shit show for a very short amount of time, and then that's it. All right. All right. Well, Luke, I don't know the uh, for our next one. I don't know the source on here, but Leon Edwards was in, was interviewed and the subject of Jorge Masvidal was brought up. Here's what Leon had to say. Let's say Masvidal fights Gilbert Burns in December or in January and he gets a good win. I would fight him in April in the UK. I would love for him to beat Burns and then that would be a big fight. End quote. So this is the champion Leon Edwards who's going to have to fight Usman a second time already kind of calling his shot. He wants the money fight of Jorge. Yeah, you can't damn him for this. But related to this topic, Gilbert Burns put a tweet out that might be exposing Jorge Masvidal's intention. This is Gilbert saying, just let everybody know that the UFC offered me game bread fighter three times. First was November 12th. He said he needed more time. The second was December 10th. He said he was going to Brazil to fight me. And now he just said no again. So I guess the B from the BMF doesn't stand for bad. Wow, I think he's implying that it stands for bitch. Now, this is one side of this argument. Who knows on the flip side? But in relation to our over-under, Luke, seven, as in months, the number of months before we see Jorge Masvidal return to the octagon. Last saw him losing to Colby Covington in a pay-per-view main event, over-under seven months. I'll take the over. Wow. I'll take the over. Wow. Yeah. I don't think he's in a giant rush to get back. I think he knows that his time in the sport is now quite limited. And um, he's trying to find the right opponent. You would have thought Gilbert would have been that guy. But at the same time, here's the problem. Gilbert's got a big name coming off that Hamzat win for sure. But Gilbert's tough as shit, bro. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Jorge doesn't gain much from a Gilbert fight. Because in Jorge's mind... 
he's in that like twilight period where he's a name, so you don't really have to earn big fights. You're just a name. Well, dude, it's but, just like okay, but like here's this is the problem for Jorge. He needs someone with a name who also is like a competitive fight, and it's like, dude, Gilbert ain't that guy. You know what I mean? Gilbert's yeah, got a good name, you know, but he's fucking but he already got, way too dude, tough to beat. Could you argue that Masvidal's already reaped the rewards of being an old name without winning a lot to justify it? Like he got the second title shot that he, you know, you could argue from his performance in the first, even on last minute notice, did it matter? Did we care? Was it wasn't necessary. No, they got the Colby main event. So that's like, Hey, you're a brand still. Let's put two brands together to what, to continue that treatment. You kind of have to win though in between. And the UFC typically makes you prove that you can win in between. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he may not have a lot of leverage here in terms of turning these fights down. I get why he wouldn't want Gilbert. So what do you want instead? Um, Hamza, you know what I mean? No, no. Yeah. Or any of them other hammers on the way up? Like, no. Yeah, no. good luck. Good luck. Yeah. There's no great answer here at all for him. But or do I you want to box Jake Paul or some shit? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, now that's a better fight. Honestly, serious question. Serious question. If for whatever reason he was released from his contract today and the Tommy Fury thing went away, not would they make the fight? Better question. Does Jake Paul beat Jorge Masvidal in boxing? I'm I'm unf- I don't want to say I fully bought into this because I want to I want to keep open the idea that if he could get these big matchups Nate Connor you know Jorge obviously the contracts that the lineup Nate is most likely now that it would be this great buildup of trash talk and then it'd actually be a war in there but no I'm coming around to the idea that Jake Paul is pretty darn good for this level and has anytime he's going to have a size advantage over somebody um, you know we thought Silva would be him getting sunned or fu- or hitting his wall but. You know, it turned out to be the perfect storm in a lot of ways in what he showed us. I think if he goes in there against these smaller MMA lightweights and welterweights at this point, he, he should be able to keep them away with a jab, right? And potentially hurt them. I mean, look, you got to prove that. These aren't, you know, these are pros, but this isn't elite level boxing. But you, I'm coming around to where you already are, Luke, that we, we may need Jake to go bigger. That's why whether you think Tommy Fury would be competitive or not, it is him going bigger, a quote-unquote real boxer, Maybe John Fury will take his shirt off and attack somebody. I mean, that would be fun in that regard. Did you see Jake tweeted out that he wants, or his own quote of him as saying he wants uh, February in Manchester or London against Tommy Fury? I did see that. I did see that. I don't, you know, to me, it's like, I actually do feel like maybe transitioning to boxing, uh, where I, excuse me, stop, because we spent all fight week being like, oh, we picked a fight with MMA, but like he kind of picked it too well. And now people are like, well, what's the point? If Anderson can't beat him, would Nate? And obviously the Nate fight would be big. And I so I don't mind him pivoting towards like regular boxers. And, you know, if this fight's on Showtime. Well, let me frame it I'm this gonna, way for I'm gonna, you because I'm going to cover is, it. But I, I'm going I'm to interrupt I think, you. Let me, let me finish. Let me finish. Well, I, I want you to. I want you to. Tommy Fury. Okay. I wanted you to stop for a reason. That's why I was like, it looked impolite. I know, but, but I, I didn't want to stop for a reason. So that's right. But now I'm going to re tee you up because this is part of our under over under segment. So I didn't want you to give away your answer before I could frame it properly. Okay, because uh, okay. I, I I got too ahead of the game here. It's my fault. But Luke Jake Paul had tweeted out, "Dear Frank Warren, I agree to fight Tommy in Manchester or London in February. I'll come to his country. No more running. His his baby is due and." You've said it's a no issue since John is adamant. We've agreed. I'm giving you seven days to prevent to present a signed contract, or I'm moving on. Oh God! Uh, the over under that Mikey's serving up here is four, Luke. The number of months before we get Paul versus Fury. Okay, I just got to say, like, I'm giving you a week, or I'm moving on. Please stop. I mean, <laughs> either make the fight or don't. Like this bullshit. Like, 
you know, I, you got, you know, what, just, okay, never mind. Um, four months. Okay, so mid-December, mid-January, mid-February, mid-March. I'll take the under. I'll take the under on that. I think that we, well, hold on. Fight actually takes place or fight is announced and booked? Uh, I would think it's, I think he's asking takes place, but uh, Ooh. I, I think we no, will see no, this. No, no, I'll take the over. In that case, I'll take the under that they make it before then. I'll take the over okay. it happens second quarter. Um, is there any conspiratorial part of your brain that says Vitor Belfort pulling out of a boxing match against Hasim Rockman is because he's saving his brand and portfolio to be a Jake opponent? Because if that theory yes. is true, that Jake reaching down to smaller guys is only going to lead to domination. Although let's give Nate Diaz a chance or Jorge, whoever gets the chance um, that Belfort is the perfect bigger opponent, right? To still do this crossover. Yeah, but thing. like he got removed from this fight, and then I saw someone being like, you know, prayers up for him. So did he have like fucked up blood work or I don't know? You know yeah, uh, who, yeah, I don't know what the situation. He's not reliable in the sense of can you you know reasonably figure out if he's going to be able to make it fight to fight without commission issues, age or otherwise. Uh, he's a little bit of a wild card in that sense. Yeah, let's hope he's okay, uh, obviously, Luke. Uh, finally, I've got one more for you. Uh, Dana White in the post-fight presser on Saturday in New York said, quote, John Jones will fight next year for sure. Yeah, we never had a Stipe John Jones fight. John's going to fight next year. That was uh, the answer from Dana before that other unnamed reporter, like, went at him. Did you see that, Luke? That one guy was like, well, what's next for heavyweight? What's Stipe going to fight? Like, he was grilling Dana. He didn't have the right... He wasn't armed with the right ammo to really pull it off, but he did have, like, you know, guy in a pink suit level aggression. But here's the point here, Luke, regarding uh, <coughs> Dana seems to be revealing that there was never negotiation for a Stipe interim title fight. So with that and the knowledge of Dana's hope to book Ngannou versus Jones for all the marbles next year, two and a half, the amount of fights total that John Jones will cool. actually have at heavyweight. Take that under big time. Take that under really? big time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, is there a world where he has like three or four of them and that wouldn't in no way be controversial? Of course. I mean, of course. Dude, for folks who may not realize this, of course, next year is 2023. Everyone realizes that. But here's the point I wanted to make. 2023 represents the 10-year mark that John Jones has said he's going to move to heavyweight. 10 motherfucking years for a decade. He's been saying he's going to do this. I am skeptical. Certainly, I have no crystal ball. I'm not BC. But I am skeptical of the idea that he's got some long march planned for that weight class. I think he's got a couple of fights, maybe a few. We shall see that he's going to get in and then call it a day. I don't believe that this is in any way the, the longevity approach of him. I think it's a little bit not quite like GSP who did the one fight at middleweight and got the fuck out. You probably get two of them. I, I would be surprised if you saw four. Three, I guess I could probably envision. Four, no chance. Zero chance. All right. I think three, because I think the money's on him still being pretty damn good. We don't know how good. He's been off a long-ass time. There are a lot of questions. But if he, I mean, if he has to fight in Ghana without a tune-up, all right, if he wins, it's going to be over two and a half. It's going to, you know, yes. But I think your analysis seems to be potentially subconsciously teasing the idea that you don't believe John would beat Nganu. 
So let me ask you, if John no, got no, no, knocked, no, 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 quite the opposite. No, 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 quite the opposite. So, well, well, okay. Let's let's ima- let's just imagine what might happen. We're talking about a guy who's been telling us he's going to go to uh, this weight class for ten years and has not done it. Number one, number two has been off for an extraordinary amount of time. Number three, everyone just likes to forget this. He had that run in during the pandemic where he was drinking in his car and firing off shots in Albuquerque. Uh, and then, you know, the whole incident in Las Vegas with his uh, now uh, estranged, I don't know what you would call her, ex or whatever, and his children banging his head on the car hood of a fucking police vehicle. My man's got problems, to put it quite mildly. Everyone just seems to forget all of that. Let's imagine. I don't think they forget it. I think they realize that that's who he is, and that's the what, only what, way he knows how. What does that mean, that's who he is? I'm not justifying his actions under any cloud of imagination, but I, I think people I are at the I think people are at the point where they realize he's never going to change, and they also realize that that's how he gets the best out of himself in the cage, which ultimately, fair or not, is the is the only. Re- I mean, he's been Teflon to a large degree, despite so many of these bad moments publicly. Where yeah, there's times he'll lose a sponsor or okay. people talk bad about him. Fair enough. But dude, people but always these come back. Things, everyone thinks this. Uh, because even someone like John, who to your point has been Teflon, I mean, there's no denying that. Um, everyone thinks that, you know, these things, they, they for, I don't know what people think, but they need to be reminded that you in life cannot outrun your problems. Cannot happen. It yeah. will not happen. They will meet a resolution one way or the other. Okay. So I want to point in, uh, into this being like getting into the training probably is a bit of a distraction in that sense or a way to manage things in, in, in another one. But let's just sort of imagine like you've got this backdrop of problems that have driven you to training. Now, let's say he goes in there and absolutely beats the shit out of Francis Ngannou. I mean, just wipes the floor with him. What else would there be left to do, number one? Or conversely, if he goes in there and gets absolutely fucking viciously overeem KO'd, does he really have it in his heart of hearts to come back and meaningfully put on a long reign after that? He would get the he would get the rematch probably, right? Because he's John Jones. But I'm just pointing out the guy is getting significantly older. He's got all of these life problems that, to my knowledge, remain completely untreated. And he's got this sort of really tenuous situation at heavyweight. What about any of that? is built for longevity. None of it. Just, none of it. But I just don't understand that. None of it, and it's bad, but it's been standard operating procedure for him. I do poke a couple holes in some of the things you said. Not that I've suddenly become John's new fixer to defend him, Luke. You know, I've, I've slung a few curveballs at John Jones in press conferences. I just haven't gotten dunked on with two hands, like, unfor- you know, maybe fortunately or unfortunately. But uh, to, yes, he has been saying it for 10 years, but Dude, he's been teasing the future. You really have to go up on three years. We're coming up in February on three years since he beat Dom Reyes and then gave up the title to move up to heavyweight. That, to me, I mean, we could say 10 years, but the the three years are so unanswered in terms of, like, why the F is it taking this long? I know some of it's pandemic. Then there was the argument over money and getting paid wilder money. I get it. I lived through it. Which he was right about. What the F? Now, he is 35, but that's not old for a heavyweight, and... You know, it's it's like you you mentioned something where uh, the, the key question for me in terms of this over under is if he gets knocked out, because I think then you're going to get an under no matter what, because either he never fights again if he gets knocked out badly or he, you know, maybe it's a Rondi Rondi. Maybe it's a Ronda versus Amanda two type of situation where he comes back for the rematch, tries it again and, you know, maybe loses a second time. 
But I think the flip side is where you're wrong. If he comes out there and beats, lives up to his potential, becomes a two-division champion, and beats the toughest guy available, which in theory would be a rehabbed and ready Nganu, dude, what is John? The only normalcy in John's life has been the success in the cage. That, you know, that, that has been something he can cling to and always know that no matter what else happens around him, usually by his own effing up, unfortunately, that he's fine in there. Dude, if he's back on top and he's the GOAT again, people are not going to be... If he's Like, he'll be the real all-time GOAT if he beats Ngannou and becomes a two-division champion. I, I'm not saying people will forget about the other stuff, but it, it's no longer going to be front-page news until he makes it again after that. So I think it's that not, would produce... I'm not, I'm not asking people to care because... Like, but I'm not got... saying you are. But I'm saying yeah, okay. he'll be around for a long time if he beats Ngannou, dude, okay? Because that's what he loves to do, be the best, right? That's You know, that's what he loves at the end of the day. Um, but if that's the case, why did he take three years off? That's the unexplained answer that gives that, that I no longer can carry that same confidence that I always had through 10 years of him teasing that moving up, that whenever he does and adds the bulk, he's going to be unbeatable. Now at times the heavyweight division wasn't as deep as it is now. And I think that's changed with that three-year absence mixed with Francis being this force gone being amazing. I mean, it's a new era, Luke, but yeah, that three years, I mean, what it was, it wasn't another you saw the suspension, right? It was like it's just weird. Well, part, I mean, it's, so 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 some time off made sense. I think he was burned out. That makes sense, and I think that he needed to get his body right for heavyweight. That made sense. But remember, during this time off is when all of these other incidents were happening. And again, it's like, what's the connection between that and longevity? I'm just pointing out, like everyone's like, oh, he's gotten away with it before. Why would you think differently? Well, let me explain something to you. They will catch up with you. They will. They will. They will. They will take ownership over your life if they go untreated. This is just how life goes for me, for you, for everyone who watches. And more to the point, there's another part we haven't talked about. Now, of course, you have Chael telling us that he's been training with Henry Cejudo. And Henry tells him he looks amazing. And so he's going to pick right back off. But I'm going to go back and say it one more time. People say lots of shit about what happens in camp. What happened at the end of his run at light heavyweight? He was very beatable. In fact, I thought Dominic Reyes beat him. So I thought that the advantages that he had over the division rapidly declined. Now, again, burnout probably plays a role in there as well. All I'm pointing out is like this idea, like John was real. John in his prime was probably as close to unbeatable as I've ever seen a fighter, right? I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen anyone who's more unbeatable than that. No one truly is, but he was pretty fucking close. But he's been fighting since he was in his, since he was what, 21, 22? He'll be 35 now. The wear and tear is significant, even with all the time off. The amount of motivation is going to play a factor. Changing his body is going to play a factor. The depreciation of skills is going to play a factor. All of these fucking things that have plagued him in his personal life, that's all going to play a factor. I just don't understand how people can look at that soup and be like, oh, that's a soup for longevity. I don't see any of that as a, a recipe for longevity. I see this for a short stint get in he might go in there and fucking dominate maybe it's more than two maybe it's three maybe it's four but at most four and then getting the fuck out i just don't believe he's going to do that for a very long time you know outside uh, it's hard to say outside of the second cormier fight because drugs or not it happened and john was awesome in that second fight as he was in the first fight he was vicious in that fight it's been a while since he's been impressive right i mean osp was an interesting scenario that fight you know yeah he won it but there was some caution okay he comes back and knocks out cormier in the rematch and reminds us how great he is then that gustafson rematch was weird they changed cities gustafson folded as soon as that fight heated up to any degree and has never been the same since 
Anthony Smith, okay, maybe that's it. Maybe I overlooked that. He did he did kind of dominate that and look good doing so, correct? I mean, that maybe I'm blowing this up. And then, the of course, you went the- to a decision, so I think some folks were like, oh, well, why didn't you take... Remember, there was a lot of time where Anthony Smith, uh, Smith spent in turtle. Remember that? Yeah. He was just kind of yeah. in turtle. And so folks were like, why didn't you just polish this guy off? Um, you know, who's to say? I mean, look, in the Tiago Santos and Dom Reyes fights, could you make arguments for both losers to have won? Yes. I get the idea that overall that's a trend of he was declining and the division was catching up, so maybe him leaving at the time he did after Reyes was smart and perfect timing in the end. But he also, I mean, it's not like he fought bad in either fight. He was just a little more cautious than he should have been, in my opinion. I don't think you actually can make a case that Tiago Santos won. I know, I think it was a split, so I guess one judge gave it to him. Um, I could be wrong about that. I have to go back and look. But... um, I didn't think that Tiago Santos won. I never thought Gustafson won. I didn't think any of those guys won. I thought Dom Reyes beat him cleanly. Cleanly. So when you say cleanly, you mean three rounds to two cleanly? Or, or yes. you mean more? I thought he won the first three rounds without really any issue uh, at all. The last two, he got beat up. Now, John came storming back, to be clear. Uh, John ended that one much better than Dom Reyes did, for to, to be absolutely certain. Uh, but And if you judge the fight as a whole, then who knows? It maybe went in a different direction. But under the 10 nine muscle system, Dominic. Uh, I, mean, I think I'm being overly harsh. Because even in the Tiago fight, I thought, you know, how do you not shoot on a guy with two bad bad legs by the end of it? But so I actually spoke to John's coaches after that fight. What they told me was that a lot of the look. I, I told, remember when we were talking about this with. Uh, who, we were talking about this when I said linear attacks up the middle. We were talking about this on fight night. Was this I forget with which Anthony fight it was. Smith? Yes. Was no, no, no. It was, during, it was during fight night. We were doing the, uh, the watch along. A linear yes. attack up the middle would just be. Something, uh, the Claudio, yes, yeah, so there was Dan Hooker fight. So a linear attack up the middle would be someone showing a knee up the middle center line or an uppercut up the middle center line. This linear attack, straight attack through the middle onto oncoming traffic. My understanding was Tiago was really tricky with what he was showing him and some of his timing so that John was a little bit apprehensive about going for those shots, going for that space um, in real time anyway. Maybe in, if they had a rematch and obviously Tiago well, was in a different state, it would be different, but... Uh, but you get the idea. That's what apparently was intimidating him was that there was, the, okay. was he was just creating a real he was like inviting him on and then like creating these big threats up the middle. And to be fair, that was such a scary version of Maheta. It was the best he'll ever be. Yeah. And he was compromised, wounded animal every in the first three rounds, especially any attempt at like explosive combinations that he put on. John was like, oh, shit. Like, he, you know. Santos came close, and I think it was closer than John wanted to landing the big one multiple times. And I can understand that apprehension, but okay, the division caught up with him. Maybe you're right. Uh, let's transition out of here, Luke, with something that we offer the fans every week. It's morningcombat at gmail.com. You know, they could send in their complaints and dead wrongs on Friday, but on Wednesday, it's like taking their artwork and putting it on our morning combat fridge to either gawk at and complain. Uh, this is P1s only, I'm being told by my... A, a P1 only fan sub submission collection, Luke. Only all... This is like, <laughs> this is like the MTV All-Star Challenge right here, okay? You ready for this? I'm this ready, one's bro. called Fan Submission. You've got mail. Viewers. A lot of people... We've got mail, yes. Viewers. A lot of people are stepping up their fan sub game, Luke, to try to enter... This title picture for MK Donk of the Year this calendar year. I even had Chef Kaz DM me and saying, don't forget me, Donk of the Year, definitely. Look, everybody wants to wear the crown, but is everyone willing to put in the hours and the if time? If Chef and- Kaz gave me COVID, does that eliminate him from being... 
donk of the year? Or does that actually make him donk of the year? We have a lot of uh, we have a lot of suspects into this. Let's see who gets arraigned and gets named. Uh, probably would be happy if anyone gets arraigned. It's him. Hey, let's start with Dawn. I believe this is Dawn Paquette, the boss lady, the wife of Jay. Hello, MK. It's Dawn back again to report on my MK Global merch tour. Holy it's completed shit. now with Germany and Ireland. Friday night bar hopping in Dublin Temple Bar District with my MK shirt was a time for sure. Luckily, I didn't run into Conor McGregor. Take care and all the best. It's Dawn Paquette. Look, she's representing our brand on a global scale. You know, it's not about places, just faces. Where your butt comes from is where your space is. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to spend my life being a color. Yo, Macaulay delivered that shit. This is pretty fucking impressive. I've I've been to Germany. I've never been to Hanover. Uh, That's pretty impressive. O'Brien's man are all the pubs in Ireland like that what with a no apostrophe (laughs) probably yeah Uh, yeah O'Sullivan thank you Don for uh allowing your husband to spend just ridiculous amount of time uh you know watching our show and building interesting fan subs for it hey let's go to Mikey who's Mikey here uh this Mikey Mormile our producer this is called morning combat's pre-show routine Mikey is this you submitting one What the fuck is going on outside? I need to get back to bed. I have a big day ahead. Oh no, oh no, what is happening? Oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no, what is happening? Oh no, oh no. Finally, I have time to work out at my state-of-the-art gym. I'm gonna get a good lift in today. I cannot work out with you. Man, I really need to get out of the sea. And I can't believe I missed my alarm again. I have to feed these dogs and get on the pre-show call. No funny business. Just take the hot dog out of the basket. Once you vote 1,000 times, I will let you out. Let me out. I'm time to do some pressure research. <laughs> it looks like Alfmar Lemon has a higher puffs per second, but Alfmar Mango has a better hit differential. What do I go with for today's show? <coughs> I can't afford it, my brine eliminator or clogs. Our journalist, beautiful Brit, I in heaven please bring me the strength today. Revely, revely, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. (laughs) (laughs) So, look, Mikey, the gatekeeper of all things fan subs, just just effed around and tried to enter the donk of the year contest with this one right here, right? That is that is one of the best fucking things I've ever seen. 
<laughs> and by the way, I have to say this. Me vaping, which is just indefensibly stupid dub tea bullshit. I mean, it's just the worst thing I do on earth. It has been an absolute treasure trove of content for this show. Can you at least admit that? I mean, it, it's it's eclipsed tip to tip. We don't even talk about that anymore, Luke. It's it is it has become our the center of our show. Yes, and yes, I got this wheezy great. laugh now. Well, that's partly from being sick, actually. But <coughs> that was good, good, good shit, Mikey. I didn't realize that was you who made that when you sent it in. I thought it was a you know web screamed uh, David Appleton production. Hey, Danger Mouse, you just saw him at the bottom of that well. So put the <laughs> lotion in the basket already. Uh, he says hi, BC. Last week. I made you the Duke of Donkton when I should have made you the clown prince of cocking up reading my emails. You've messed up before, but this one was off the scale. Are you the kind of douche that opens other people's mail? Why would you read out something addressed to Mikey? Maybe if you used a laptop instead of your phone, you'd be able to see the entire email. Anyway, best laugh I've had in ages, and it did give me some material. So thanks for that, you clown. Wow, Luke, high and inside from the Danger Mouse. <laughs> that is awesome yeah, i did kind of pull a shop there luke i didn't realize that in real time last week but pulled you know, a shop what does that mean we try to power through these remember on that ad read when he kept reading like turn over page for more details you know like you don't remember that i don't did he do that yeah yeah they let him have it on that on that website luke i don't know about that that's crazy all right luke <laughs> let's go to the second one here from danger mouse <laughs> that's uh, not that's, fair to amanda lamos first of yeah, all that's, that's risky there whoever let that one in right there all that's, right that's well not done, fair to mouth. amanda lamos first of all and second of all that's not how my hair looks i i have different kind of fucking you know what, what my haircut sucks i understand but what can i do it's it only cost um, you 100 bucks it's great hey no, no, uh, this, he, this one was 50 this one was 50. we know luke you you made a throwaway comment during the watch along that danger mouse has one more meme to build off of here luke thomas and brian campbell the odd couple a pair of washed mma journalists in new jersey say no more why do i have a i guess it's part of the thing a ladle and a fucking duster because I think that's Tony Randall's character in The Odd Couple, Luke. Also, I look like, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I don't think I look young, but I look even older in this rendition. And you just look like there's feces coming out of your nose and streaming down your face. All right. So it's, it's accurate. Thank you, Danger Mouse, for roasting me so, so harshly. Uh, let's go to JP from uh, Mount Unike, Nova Scotia. Good day, crew and fans. With Luke perusing his own vape product line bc revealed his love and passion for self-help literature it's bc's number one connecticut best connecticut times bestseller (laughs) brought to you by you only better forward by luke thomas and of course i got the pipe i told you dude the vape stop being a dirty old washed bitch yes yes uh well done uh jay he says uh Love you guys. Keep up the amazing award-winning show. Jay, uh, Jay did have other ones, Luke, but they were a little racy and borderline, right? You know, they were, you know, yes. he had Joanna in a swimsuit. We had to, you know, we had to tone it down a little. And by that. He had a lot more than that. Yeah. He had a lot more <laughs> yeah, than yeah. that. Yeah, he did. Uh, yeah, he did. All right, let's go to Alan W. This guy's been making some noise lately on the fan subs. It says, Luke and Brian's relationship manifested in the Batman universe. Luke, you complete me, <laughs> but please don't touch me. It's this is quote. bullshit. This is bullshit. 
How does BC, I don't mind that he's the Joker, that's fine, but how does he get to be like the Heath Ledger Joker and I got to be the old fucking dad bod Adam West fucking <laughs> Batman? Can I, not, can I not be a newer version of Batman? What the fuck? Luke, if the, uh, if the jumpsuit fit, uh, fits, you might as well wear it, okay? If the nylons, uh, yeah, yeah, there you go, Luke. Fucking hey, that is not fair at all. So what do you think I should have been like the uh who who are some bad jokers in the modern era, Luke? Like in that nineties run of shit. You know who Batman? the worst no, you know, you know who the worst joker is was the Jared Leto like mafioso guy. Did you see this one? Is it part of that trilogy of Dark Knight ones? No, 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 no. He played the Joker in uh Suicide Squad. Did you oh, see no, that? You know, I don't no no, no. I don't I don't really mess around with uh too much in those categories of movies, Luke, you know. I mean, just a, I, just I just saw Black movie, Adam. It's not, it's not. Yeah, I just saw Black Adam, and it sucked, Luke. I mean, let's be fair. Well, it The just... Rock is nothing but a completely, totally soulless corporate whore. Uh, well, I, yeah, it was whoever it wrote that. It just wasn't good. You know, I mean, the the Thor Love and Thunder was better, Luke. I'm sorry. And that wasn't That's not, that's not saying either. much. That's not yeah, saying Yeah, I mean, much. I enjoy it. It was a good experience. But, uh, yeah. All right, enough of this bullshit. Thank you, L&W. Uh, we got one more from Juan. It's a video. It's called Vape God Thomas Gets Caught Red-Handed. At 205, you saw Habib take on Michael Johnson, and we saw the introduction of many Habib catchphrase big moments, including taking down Johnson in the corner where Dana was and peering over Michael Johnson and saying, like, I, I fight for this title. I deserve it. You must quit. <laughs> like, a few moments later. Remember he was talking to Dana? Like, you know, or you, no, he was talking to, he was talking to uh, MJ in the fight. I wonder what you do when I talk, because you love to react to what, with what I just said. And you're like, hey, remember this? And I'm like, yeah, I remember uh, 30 seconds ago when I said it. This, this was Habib kind of opening up that character, which really helped him become a pay-per-view star. An unlikely one of sorts. Uh -huh. Sorry, BC. I apologize. <laughs> wow, they know us. They know us well, Luke, these people, yeah. right? Yeah, I tell you, wow. here, here's the truth a, a little bit. I can't speak to that particular moment exactly. I don't actually mean to be like, yo, fuck, Brian, I don't care what he has to say. But sometimes I'm like, oh, I have an idea about something I want to say. I look over my computer to like double check a detail or like think how I want to say it. And, and as vape. a consequence, huh? You vape. You vape too during these moments. I, and I vape sometimes. But the truth is that I get those ready. And in the consequence, I kind of like tune you out to do that. So then it creates these moments. So I apologize, BC. That's shitty. I didn't mean to do that. Um, but it is fucking funny. So I mean, I'll I've done that. it to you once or twice, so I can't be throwing glass cocks at a, at a dildo house. But I will say, Luke, your consistency <laughs> of, of doing it is, is impressive. I mean, you're just it's, like... It's next level, really. Let's be <laughs> yeah, honest. Yeah, it is. It is. Wow. All right. Uh, Morningcombat at gmail.com. Thank you for those P1 submissions this week. Uh, great video. Hey, I, maybe... We should probably consider, along with Donk of the Year, which I'm still down to have a public debate on on air. Luke, bring these people on, let them fight Hold for on. it. Tuki's right? about to come in. I don't want her. You want? Actually, you know what? If Tuki comes in, she comes in. Fuck it. I yeah, don't that's fine. But uh, we should probably have submission. Well, my larger point that I was setting up, Luke, was we should probably have submission of the year too. You know what I mean? Meme, video, whatever. I mean that that video from Mikey was great just now. Okay. Yeah, it was hilarious that was funny i don't have to say this one that they made of me especially with like the pikachu face of getting caught red-handed yeah. that made me laugh all right very good uh reminder to everyone we're back on friday we're gonna have a ton of stuff for you to get ready for all the fights um let's see bell tour's course going to be on friday if you want to watch that showtime.com is the place to or showtime 
And if you go to Showtime.com, you get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. Uh, the, the, the merch store, morningcombat.store. There it is, morningcombat.store. Be on the lookout for it, uh, for anything you want. Might, you, you might want there, including that bomber jacket. Yo, if you don't believe me, believe Rafion Stotts. You don't believe him, believe Adrian Yanez, who yeah. wants that shit. Yeah. Um, also, Luke, they can enter in their email address on the front page right now of morningcombat.store right. to get those Black Friday exclusive deals sent to them. So if you've been, if you know your husband, right? if you know like Jay Paquette's been like, honey, I just, you know, when you get back from touring the planet, I'd love, you know, if I can get an allowance and get a bomber jacket, this might be the time to get it, Luke, okay, with that discount. All right. I got I to gotta, I gotta move this along because I got to go help out with the kid. Uh, let's see. What else? Morningcombat at gmail.com. Morningcombat at gmail.com for Friday's dead wrong. Whatever we got wrong today. I'm sure we got a shitload wrong today. Yeah. So load them up, folks. Put the put the rounds in the chamber. Uh, Morningcombat at gmail.com is the place to do that. And uh, BC, anything else before we go? Um, please watch our uh, room service diaries with Laura Senko. It might surprise you. It surprised me, Luke. I think we sometimes have preconceived notations of who people are, what they're, how they're wired, what they're here for. And, uh, I love an interview space like ours has become where, hey, who are you? Tell us, okay? Tell us who you are. I think she did, Luke. It was a real fun chat. So, uh, you know, we've had some great ones, right? Chuck Mindenhall, Michael Chiesa, a bunch of great ones. But we're it's only going to get better from here, okay? This is the future. I can't wait until one day, Luke, our entire show is done from that Wayne's World-looking basement. And we don't do anything else but put women on that couch. Fighter. Ass. Titty. <laughs> Ass and titties. <laughs> ass, 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 titties, ass and titties. Yeah. Brought to, you, brought to you by Only Pipes. It's time for Room Service Diaries. Yes, yes. Uh, all right, that's it for us today. We got you through Hump Day. We'll get you through the weekend as well on Friday. So for Mocha, for Showtime, for CBS Sports, that's Brian Campbell. I'm Luke Thomas. We're the MK Crew. Until Friday, may all of your gains be loyal.